headset, honestly. So okay, so we are live. How are you feeling? Good. You excited? I'm surprisingly not sleepy. Yeah, I'm a bit too hot. This room is freezing, so if I'm like taking my things on and off, just bear with me because I've, I've got like five layers on, but now I'm too hot and then I'll probably get too cold. If, if you start taking off too many layers, I will have to block your audio. Not your audio. No, no, wait. No, not your Come audio. Come on video. video. Come on yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So, um, Codename Mel. You know What's it. that about? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> so, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you texted me thinking I was a cl another client under the name Mel. Um, but I appreciated the text anyway because it's a very nice text. I think. Yeah, I think I think I remember that. Yeah, my my understanding of it was that I um, uh, what happened was for some reason, like I've only got limited bandwidth in my brain and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, up, but and I just perceived you in my mind as being Mel, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because you kind of refer to yourself as Nat sometimes, and um, Nat starts with an N, and an N is close to an M, and it's only three letters. Yeah, I'm grasping, but I think I, mean, I'm, I can relate because I'm quite dyslexic. So yeah, I, I yeah. my wife uh, kind of says. Yeah, you're definitely on the spectrum. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, there's no spectrum. Spectrum, but yeah. Um. So yeah. So that. So I. So I just started calling you Mel, and you're like, that's you're sending this amazing message. I don't think it's meant for me. Um. Was it actually meant for me? Are you just lying? Because you could be lying. Because it was no nice hell no. It's totally like, Mel for you. It is totally such meant for you. Such a nice client called Mel. Um, yeah. No, he has a client, and she has like the most amazing therapist because he's I, just, such a nice. Well, I, no, I I am. Um, <laughs> I uh, I haven't got a client called Mel. I quite like a client called Mel because I quite like the name Mel. Clearly, oh, got, it's something that's easy to recall. Client called Mel, right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you are you're like basically code name Mel. Um, yeah, Mel so Keegan. for anyone listening, what I do randomly if I'm uh, just feel the need to do so, sometimes I'll send out like um, text to specific people, telling them that you know I. I think they're great, basically. But that, I won't awesome. go into any more detail than that. But um, so, so yeah. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you because, um, you know, I've been. So I think I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. You know, stalking you, doing the creepy okay. old man kind of thing. You know, there, there's millions of us out there, and um, but obviously we've got links. And you know, today I definitely want to talk about some of the things that we've kind of like uh, chatted about previously um but but so primarily though i know you from the fight community from the martial arts um so it's so even though i'm not a practicing muay thai practitioner um i've got that's really where i got my roots and stuff so um do you want to tell us a little bit about like how you got into fighting because you strike me as you know you're not you know you break stereotypes and i think there's more and more people like you that are breaking stereotypes that are like they don't have to be sort of like massive butch cropped headed you know like women that are doing fighting you know there's much it, like that's that's dead and now it's like well you know you can do whatever you want and you can be however you want do you want to just talk to me a little bit about your entry into the whole mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I came from probably the most opposite sporting background you could imagine to Muay Thai, which is I was a gymnast up until 
gymnasts well I always loved gymnastics I think like I made myself a fake gymnast before I actually started competing I'd like pretend that I could do things like in school I just taught myself things and looked like an idiot I remember I couldn't cartwheel um I remember this distinctly and it was like primary school and people were laughing at me because I couldn't cartwheel and like in my head something switched I was like I'll fucking show you I'm gonna cartwheel (laughs) so then I started basically teaching myself gymnastics through school then finally my parents were like okay you can go to a gym and I was like yes so I started like recreational gymnastics probably when I was 11 then I think when I was 13 they asked me to squad and the gym I was at Tolworth it's a very good gym but mainly for artistic at the time I don't think I, I wasn't good enough for artistic I don't think so I get invited to acro which is acrobatic gymnastics so it's like throwing people around in the most beautiful way ever is the summary and it's also so you do like a floor routine and you do a lot of chucking small people in the air but in between that you do like really nice dancing and tumbling which is the classic gymnastics that people do on the floor and so from 13 to probably I think 17 um I competed in tumbling and also acrobatics so floor routines with partners and also just straight line tumbling on my own just because it was something we did to help us with our routines um and then I had to give that up to go to uni because it's really hard to find acrobatic gymnastics at university specifically and also Tolworth was so far from where I went to uni in London even though they're both technically London but you know London's huge so I had to like come to terms with the fact that I have to give up gymnastics and I was obsessed with it um so I did cheerleading instead at uni which is so gymnastics is super female obviously um there's a lot of very good male gymnasts but in general you walk into a gym and there's like 10 percent men um cheerleading's about the same it's like a messy version of acro very dangerous very messy version where a lot of unskilled young adults are being taught to throw people in the air um, there are a lot of injuries, a lot of serious injuries, um, especially when the coaches just think they're more qualified than they are. And only the gymnasts among the cheerleaders can really see that. Um, stop me if I'm not making sense, by the way. No, you um, totally are. <laughs> cool. Because um, we know how gymnastics is taught and how to learn these moves where you throw people around. It takes time and equipment. And then you go to cheerleading and they're like, yeah, yeah, just do this thing and chuck them. And you're like, they're going to die like okay <laughs> people were trying to I have this memory of our coach our cheerleading coach trying to teach a grown man who was like the most bless him uncoordinated human I think I've ever met to do a round off back somersault so that's like a tumbling move that I took years to learn and it was just like is he going to fall on his head is, is this the end <laughs> but having said that it was like it did a lot for me because I gained a lot of friends through that sport um I was with my boyfriend from cheerleading for three and a half years like it kind of shaped who I was the first half of my uni was cheer I was obsessed with it I did like 20 hours a week of training um in the other side of London half the time um so it was the gymnast obsession in me was still there and I was just carrying it through um then I injured my back probably because I'd been lifting heavy weights um and through the gymnastics I'd not really grown strong because we had one coach that was I'd say potentially a bit senile and shouldn't have been coaching and we only got a good coach I'd say maybe one year before the end and she was amazing just think in case she's watching this she was like one of my role models um but I think by that point I wasn't able to get strong because I'd grown so flexible and I just it was kind of too late but I didn't know this at the time so 
lifting weights and cheerleading which is a lot of impact and like catching people eventually just like it's like a slip disc I got I was squatting probably more than my body weight at the time and I just felt something go and I was like oh it's a dodgy feeling so I stopped lifting and forgot about it went on some placements for uni came back went to some cheer trials which is for like a better team to compete in I did one move and I felt like this like I can't describe it like a ping in my back and then I was in agony and I just continued because that's just what I do I was like I've got to get in the team so I've got to do the trials. so I was literally my disc had the outside of my disc had ripped and the inside of the disc had come out and I was there like doing gymnastics on that and then I couldn't walk for like four days couldn't get out of bed so I went to a physio fucked me about for a long time um because I was on insurance but he was doing like ultrasound and acupuncture on me and really I needed an MRI but he told me not to get one because for spines you should get an MRI if you think it's possible that it could be disc related um now I know that um but yeah it took me a long time to get diagnosed with what I actually had which wasn't muscular Mm. so I had to kind of start from scratch I couldn't even stand on a wobble board you know those wobble boards yeah when I went to the finally got referred through a spinal surgeon who said I didn't need surgery after my MRIs um I got referred to a specific spinal physio and he was like I've never seen anyone with your level of core weakness before he was like you can't even stand up I was like because I've been doing uni from bed because I couldn't sit in the lecture theater because so I was in too much pain um standing was like after about half an hour standing became agony like mm. I can you can see it still hurts like mm. right now yeah. um every day but it's fine um so essentially I had to start from scratch build up a bare minimum of core strength after the amount of time I hadn't used any of anything I was super miserable because I couldn't do cheerleading I did kind of go back to cheerleading but it kind of the boat had sailed if that makes sense because UCL had realized I was doing cheer with them because my uni had nothing they'd realized actually we don't really want people from outside our university joining our sports clubs so they changed their rules and I was like you know what fuck you guys quit cheerleading moved campuses for my university degree um and I was like what do I do now (laughs) um I have no idea what to do with myself I'm not a gymnast anymore basically um so I was just going to the gym because I'd learned to lift and I walked into a, I accidentally interrupted a boxer size class um, at this gym. Bear in mind, um, my ex did boxing. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I was like, mm. why would you want to get hit? Can you just not do that, please? I don't need to get injured, blah, blah, blah. Um, walked into a boxer size class. Um, I was like, oh, sorry. And he was like, oh, no, join us. So I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, this is quite satisfying, you know, hitting things. So I kept cutting, coming back week after week. And then eventually I just asked the coach, where can I do more boxing? Because it's not really enough once a week. And he was like, hmm, you should do Muay Thai. I was like, what's that? He goes, don't worry, I'll show you. I'll pick you up from the station and we can go to my gym. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. That sounds really a bit sketchy. Yeah, <laughs> to barely knew this guy. Um, but I was like, cool, whatever. I remember standing at Potter's Bar Station being like, what am I doing? I think I just had raps at that point. Um, and he picked me up in his car. I was like, oh, good. He didn't stand me up then. Um, drove me down to Diablo. And I was terrified. I walked in there and I was like, oh, my God, scary men everywhere. Very big, scary men. But he introduced me to the coach and it was fine. I can't really remember much after that other than um a few weeks in I would look at the ring and see the fighter sparring and just like be transfixed and be like I need to do that and I just got really hooked probably more hooked than I ever was to gymnastics I got the Muay Thai bug um and yeah <laughs> now we're here fast forward a few years so um yeah so so when when was that then so how long have you been training uh Muay Thai then 
I think that was four years in October. Okay. So four and a bit. Yeah, cool. Um, so something that you said, which is really interesting for me, mm-hmm. um, which was when you were a kid, um, you you uh, either weren't allowed to do gymnastics by your family, and then you just kept doing it, and 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 you said that there was this lot like a like a fuck you kind of moment where not a moment, but you know that I'm was your friend. response. So it's like mm-hmm. a polarity response, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what was that? What was that like to to kind of have that? And because I think that that those kind of little moments are, you know, that you have as a kid are really defining. For me, uh, it was, there was like a local judo class. Uh, well, there's a couple of things, but uh, lo- there was a local judo class and we went and it was like 20p or 50p per lesson or something wow. like that. <laughs> and, uh, and we were, we were, we were fairly, fairly, not poor, but, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. And so I did the first couple of lessons free and then, um, the, the, you know, the, the sensei said, a big fat dude with a handlebar moustache says, like, you know, you've got to get yourself a, like a judo suit. And uh, so I've trotted back and said to my mum and, you know, I said, oh, you know, I've got to get a judo suit. And my mum's like, no way. And that was it. That was the end of it. And so oh. it was from that. I was just like, I think no. because I was denied martial arts from that age, um, I thought, god you know you know you know it's like nothing makes you want something like knowing that you can't have it um, i think that that was it that was one of the things for me the um but anyway but that yeah so um so what was that like when you had that can you remember having that thought when yeah, that kind of response think, what was that like i might have misled you there i don't think my my parents actually didn't stop me from doing it okay. essentially it was my fault my very young self fault when i was three i started gymnastics oh, in a baby rec class like here's a block, climb over it, do a forward roll, that sort of thing. I enjoyed it. I was terrified of the high bar and it was nothing to be scared. Like, honestly, they had two people supporting each kid to do a very simple move around the bar with padded foam underneath. But for some reason, I remember the terror and I used to like cry. I think I cried in the cart because my parents worked. So we had a, a nanny, um, what we called her. So she was kind of essentially as much my mum as my mum is. Um, because she was there throughout my whole childhood like five days a week um and was very down to earth and like took us to school and all that till I was 11 um so I remember crying in the car to her being like I don't like it I hate the high bar um and she basically couldn't stand to see me sad so she told my parents I'm not taking her to gymnastics anymore I'm not doing it I think that's what happened so I therefore stopped gymnastics and then maybe when I wanted to restart it about age 10 11 then my parents were like, all the first time we didn't like it so maybe if I don't think they even yeah I think they just they weren't resistant but mm. I, if they were I can understand why they would be but I had this in me like my whole gymnastics career I was angry at myself for okay for if you can't be I was three but like for letting my fear Gonky stop you, me from getting through something I would have been a so much better gymnast and there's so many things I couldn't do because I started too late and mm. I looked at all the gymnasts that were like pro and stuff and I was like that could have been me if I just continued mm. and not being scared of a high bar that wasn't even important if I'd started acro early um I could have competed for national team or you know should have could have would have sort mm. of thing yeah. um so maybe that's where the tenacity came from when I wanted to do it in school so, so subconsciously yeah, I was that's, like, that's not gonna so happen that's again. weird because um so you were sort of angry at yourself for having for, for being afraid when you were a little kid which is totally understandable um yeah. 
Um, yeah, no. <laughs> so, so how did that? How did that fear like? Um, how did that fear shape you for the positive or the negative? If you if you look if you step back and look at, you know, how you progressed over the period of years, you know, did you did that anger did that anger at yourself fuel you or did it hamper you? It sort of sounds like it sort of did a, maybe a bit of both. Um, I'd say well, the anger itself didn't hamper me. The fact of not continuing from when I was young hampered as mm. much the amount that I could progress because there's certain mm. things that you have to build up from a young age, like mm. core strength related to leg weights. If mm. you you have to build up the ability to press the handstand from young and people can learn it as adults, but it's like infinitely harder. So I could never do body weight things like the mm. other gymnasts could. Um, but in terms of like my attitude, it would have been subconscious. Like I didn't think because I didn't start gymnastics earlier, I'm going to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, as best as I can, but probably because I knew I had like catch up to do. I was, mm. I remember not wanting to go on holiday with my family because I didn't want to miss gymnastics. Oh, wow. That's um, amazing. I don't know if that's normal for children, <laughs> but my dad was like, What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like two whole weeks and I can't go. Like, I was, I've always been like this addict personality for mm. sports. Okay. Um, yeah. Weird. So, um, so you, you, you've been doing Muay Thai about four years. Like, what so i mean it's a hard sport i mean i did it you know maybe well, i got i yeah i mean i think i started when i was sort of 21 um which is some time ago um and um so i've been doing martial arts since i was about 14 um and you know karate and stuff like that and you know, i did sport karate and i was doing competitions and stuff like that and then i saw um 101 knockdowns this video and it's like oh my god saw tie boxing that was it um it's a really hard sport especially you know for, for anyone really but but i suppose you know they you know that's it's not like traditionally it's not thought of as being a, a like a, a feminine endeavor is it you know it's quite a and i suppose maybe because you're younger than me you you, you know you've grown up and where there wasn't so much stigma i don't know or was there still because you said that there was, st- was there was i mean were you the only girl in the gym or were there other girls in the gym or at the time i've been the only girl in the gym many times in my life and i've been mm. to many gyms mm. um which i can always explain if you want but um no at the time i think there was a few there was probably shan was probably there i think she was still at diablo when i joined mm. i can't remember whether she's in thailand yet i think there was at least three other mm. than me at that point maybe mm. four um so how do you put yourself in that you know among um, how do you put yourself in the shark tank knowing that (laughs) you know um you know to stereotype many of the men will be physically more stronger maybe more experienced um and you know like how what's your mindset going into that i don't think i even thought of it as a thing oh really okay really i think i was just so bored of women honestly like my degree was 85 percent, if not more female um my sport was was, oh veterinary medicine okay cool yeah of course so yeah qualified as a vet like a year or so ago um 2019 so maybe i was just very bored of women and it was just a refreshing environment Mm. and also what i loved from the start about diablo and the coaches always make it clear is they don't care what gender you are they're just like you all the all the same all the same to us and i said it before like I've had it at other gyms as well, um, which I really appreciated as well. I think at Sing Day when we did hard spa, um, when Damon can see that 
it's you come to the session for a hard spa so you mm -hmm. know what you're coming for which yeah, is yeah. always a very good thing um because it's when you don't know what the approach is that it's stressful um we can come back to that but <laughs> um i remember in hard spa sessions on it used to be fridays i'd be the only girl there um and damon would be watching and he could see that they were going easy on me and he'd literally stop them and be like stop going easy on her she's here to hard spa like mm. just because she's a girl i don't care mm. yeah. um, and i'd be like thanks <laughs> i don't want to be treated different to yeah. <laughs> yeah no well <laughs> it's, it's um a specific area of life isn't it whatever what, what did you what do your friends think of that because which, you know um, which friends? your friends well your non-martial arts friends you know like yeah oh. what did they mm. think of you doing that did they think that was like a bit left field or were they like yeah no that's cool yeah. Yeah, I don't think they saw it coming, to be honest, yeah. especially not my cheer friends and stuff. Um, they generally just think it's badass if they if they go to the extent of trying to understand what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I just generally get, like, respect from my female friends for it. Yeah, no, um, that's cool. I'm trying to think if I have... Yeah, also my male friends. I don't think I have any male friends that are like, oh, why? My dad's like that, but right. I don't think any of my friends have ever looked down on it or no, well, thought I was barbaric. <laughs> You, you, you might look down on it in the privacy of your own home, but you you wouldn't say to somebody, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that because you know that you might, the you potential might. for physical response. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're my relative, you might. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, well let's, let's, let's swerve that. Let's swerve that, yeah. uh, that, that poison chalice. Um, yeah. So, so, so you've, you've had some fights, you fought for Diablo. Is that right? Or. Yeah, I've only ever fought for Diablo. Um, I've just trained in a lot of places because of my degree. Um, okay. I had to move around for my placements because you have to... The problem with VET is, which I discovered quite early on, but was kind of unaware of before I joined, naively, is that there's like three different careers broadly that you can be as a VET. Many more, but like the main ones are small animal, farm animal and horses. Okay. You have to learn all three. Um, and you can be a mixed vet, which means you do everything. And I have a friend that's a mixed vet, two friends actually, and I'm like, you're amazing. How do you fit all that in your brain? But I can do it, partly because I fucking hate farms, really do. Um, right. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Absolutely, okay. yes. Okay, sorry, it just comes out of my mouth. Um, I really hate farms, um, mm -hmm. and I really don't like horsey environments at all. Okay. So why is I spend that? a significant... Um, oh, why? I think for farms... I just don't belong there. I feel like I instantly need to get off them when I oh. get onto them. I don't like, I'm not, I feel like it's hypocritical, sorry, because I'm not actually vegan currently. Mm -hmm. I try to minimize the meat I do eat. Okay. Um, I don't, I think I find dairy farming the most upsetting for some mm. reason. Mm. I think it's because, because like they are just machines for milk and it makes me really sad yeah. especially yeah, yeah. having spent a lot of time on farms and now i just can't even drink milk i like oh, right. have a milk if there's milk in my coffee i'm like there's cow mm. in there yeah. Yeah. something about the, having the milk in your yeah. mouth like i don't know um but it might be because it's I was rape juice to so That's what it is. It's rape juice. yeah <laughs> i wouldn't disagree with you because well, you they just I mean, they the impregnate them they take their babies and then they do it again and that's their life their life is to produce the baby that they don't get to keep and then they get milked every yeah. day when they don't even have a baby and it's like oh. have you seen have, seen have you ever seen a downer yes of course that's like you know the, the downer cows there's so many reasons why they're down um we had like whole exam questions on why cows could be down yeah um 
which I probably failed. I failed my finals for farm um, right. because I hated farm so much. Right. They said, so I remember in a feedback for one of the placements I was on, which was a farm placement, farm vet placement mm. in, I want to say Devon or something. Um, the, the feedback she gave me was, you clearly don't have very much knowledge. You need to do some more farm EMS and EMS is extramural studies. So it's the ones you organize and you can do them in any species you want. She said, if you don't do more farm EMS, you won't pass your finals. Oh, wow. Guess what I didn't do? That. Farm EMS. <laughs> yeah. oh, really? so guess what i failed my finals oh, wow. like she was so right she was an old wise owl and she mm. told me that i would fail and i did but i was too stubborn because it genuinely made me so miserable to be on farms right that yeah. i just couldn't do it to myself where's where's the money <laughs> where's the money in, in out of those three oh, out of those three mate, categories nowhere. absolutely nowhere really? bets don't make much money yeah yeah so it's a misconception huge misconception unless you're a partner in like medivet yeah but oh, right. vets in general vets yeah. in general they don't make much money like the starting salary for a six-year degree five six years 30k max um, that's ridiculous yeah imagine if you did accounting um or yeah. something financial for mm. six years you'd mm. start on 50 plus and you'd yeah. work probably a few hours than we do yeah that's crazy so, um, that's crazy yeah people think it's highly upsetting that people think we're money grabbing right maybe I don't really, maybe yeah. high level in corporates money grabbing mm. your average vet is probably doesn't even have the authority to be money grabbing and they genuinely just care about your pets and it's yeah. just really really sad when i get it from people at the gym because mm. there's a lot of breeders at diablo and they're like oh i spent so much money at the vet the other day mm. I'm like you're you're selling your dogs for three grand you're yeah fine. yeah yeah like you can and if you went to the nhs and paid for your healthcare, it would be a lot more expensive yeah. than what you just paid for yeah. literally i can i can find figures to prove that to you yeah but they're not it's so many, yeah I, I i don't know maybe maybe i think slightly differently about it but i'm i i don't really think of vets as being um money grabbing really i think to put to put yourself through like a degree and kind of to dedicate your life towards helping saving or healing uh, animals i'm like well that's the most amazing thing ever i think that's in an incredible thing you know the same way yeah, it would be for for a doctor and stuff like that but i gotta be honest i think i prefer animals to, to human beings largely <laughs> and that's, probably, that's probably a, a really that's probably a genuinely pretty bad thing um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of how i am we don't I think. deserve animals uh, well yeah they're i mean they're so pure we don't deserve them i think it's normal yeah so um they're much better beings yeah and, and i know that when when I, when i had my last dog put down it was they were really good there was a veterinary they were so, they were really really nice and uh you know god almighty i mean i was an absolute mess absolute mess so um so so yeah so i've only but the highest respect for so what made you go into to pursue that then the veterinary um it was actually not very noble at all it was just like i was in a biology lesson um in about year 10 and they put on the board these are the things you can do if you take biology for a level oh right let's have a read oh vet that sounds cool and then Mm. I'd had a cat once. All I ever wanted was a cat. Uh, it took years to persuade my mum to get one. Finally got one. My mum's not the sort of person that should have animals. She's too germophobic. Um, okay. In hindsight, I would have known that it was better for the cat not to be in our household when right. mum wanted to wash him, but she never did, by the way. Um, right. But 
it just didn't work. Um, but essentially the cat was a really clumsy cat. We had to build him stairs to jump the fence because he was so long. Ironically, he couldn't jump. Like he'd just sit there like, meow, meow. We were like, what's wrong with you? We had to build him steps so he could climb. <laughs> My dad was really good for him. Like he took all this effort to make his life easier. And then he broke his leg. We never found out how he did it. Uh, we had to keep him in a cage. He was miserable as hell. So just kind of, you've got to laugh because the most reluctant mother ever finally gives in and gets her daughter a cat. And she gets the most difficult cat you could possibly get. Loveliest cat, but like, absolutely anomalous giant uh, O'Malley <laughs> o- O'Malley I think he might have I think he might have had acromegaly you know in hindsight I don't know what that is that is, is when they have excess growth hormone. Um, oh, okay. in their, I think it's from the pituitary gland, so it yeah. often coincides with diabetes. Right, right, he right. He didn't have diabetes because he was young, but yeah. it could be that he was acromegalic because he was huge, man. He was like a domestic short hair, but like really big. So, so, <laughs> so he, he, yeah. No, no, please carry on. No, it just continues. It gets worse. He broke his other leg after. As soon as he went back out again, he broke his other leg. Like not even the same leg, but the other leg. Um, and then he disappeared because he was like, "Fuck this! I'm not. I'm not staying in the yeah, cage." I think right. twice he stayed in the cage, and then he ran off or got hit by a car. Like no one knows. And I was heartbroken because mm. I was only about eleven. Um, oh, wow. So I don't know why after that straight away I wasn't like, you know what? I want to be a vet so I can help cats that I can help my own. Yeah. Um. But so maybe it just took a while. And then when I got to GCSE age, I was like, yeah, that's totally it. And then mm. I just never looked back. I just knew in that moment when he put it on the board, I was like, oh, my God, that's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> so most kids are like, from when I was three years old, I wanted to be a vet because I had a toy cat and I used to bandage its legs. Like, yeah. it's not me at all. <laughs> I wanted yeah, to be an artist. I mean, you know, uh, sort of, a lot of people have got these stereotypes in their mind of um, – uh you know oh you're a dog person or a cat person i think that's partially because you know human beings are just simple creatures and i do definitely include myself in that and and you know it's like it's just easy to to you know to categorize like you say and um you know and i obviously because i'm sort of predisposed to thinking of you as uh as a dog person because i've always seen you with dogs (laughs) dogs you know yeah it's true let's let's have it right absolutely obsessing about um certain dogs which i love which i love which is i think one of the things that i absolutely (laughs) think is great about you um you know uh long boy or whatever his name is um long boy i have about no no joke i have three stories three story highlights of alfie and the reason i have three is because they're all full because i'm so obsessed with him he's not my dog i get this a lot Alfie yeah. is not my dog. I just no, lived no. with him for about a year. Okay. Um, he's amazing. I haven't seen him in about six months and I like cry inside every day. Yeah. But every dog I meet and I fall in love with, I cry a little bit inside when I can't see them mm, every day. Mm, um, mm, but if you yeah. stalk, you clearly aren't a good enough stalker because if you stalked me far back enough, I had a cat at uni that was oh. like, she felt like my only friend at the time. It was a very low point in my life. And this oh. cat was beautiful and i saved her from the rspca because she was supposed to be put down um because she was old and had a heart murmur because they were too full um she wasn't sick so i was like i cannot she looked at me from the basket and like i just started stroking like who are you she's like oh hi and they were like oh yeah she's on the pts list to put to sleep list i was like oh no no i was like i fell in love with her and i couldn't such a classic vet student like i must take this animal home Mm. so i did eventually months later But yeah, I'm just as much a cat person as a dog person. Are oh, you amazing. either? Because I feel like you're a dog person, but maybe 
you would surprise me also. Like no, I, I, well, I, I like cats. I mean, I, I like cats, but yeah, I'm to, I'm, I'm a dog, definitely a dog person. I wouldn't go, yeah. oh, I, I'm going to buy a cat I, or I would okay. want a cat. Mm-hmm. They just, um, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I definitely, I think I'm, well, I don't know, you know, all this stuff, but um, I know that in the Chinese horoscope, I'm, I'm in the year of the dog. Um, and I've always loved dogs as a kid. Absolutely. Might be why. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a cat's, I quite, I quite like the way the cats just, they just don't give a shit. They're just like, you know, like, you know, you serve me human, you know, it's very much like, there's a really weird kind of dynamic there. I have a theory. Yeah. People that think cats are evil or cats are just bastards. I think that um, it reflects a problem in their own psyche because mm. cats are more like humans than dogs are. Cats mm. know what they want. Cats are particular. They mm. have individual personalities, as mm. do dogs. But cats are much more peculiar or like idiosyncratic, you yeah. might say. They know their um, own minds, and, don't they? Mm-hmm. And egotistical humans do not appreciate mm. when someone doesn't just like them unquestioningly. Yeah. So I think if someone says cats are evil, I'm like red flag you need yeah. to find what's wrong with you because there's something wrong with you um yeah, yeah i've learned that and that, that pattern has perpetuated and yeah. i've been right about it so i think that that's my theory yeah. well that that's interesting so so because i kind of say that for a joke but i don't mean it i go like cats are evil <laughs> but because for, yeah, for this, no of course i don't mean it uh, i just saw um the, i just love some of the memes there's this one meme where it's got the cat is actually on top of somebody's head and he's got his paws around the guy's face. Uh, and, and it's like, it's like he's the human is like his host and he's like, take me to the tuna or something like that. You know, like he's controlling the That's human. Amazing. Just, just thought that oh, was hilarious. I love it. I'll sit, I'll sit by the phone there. But, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't mean it, but I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely prefer dogs. Um, so, um, so you don't have a dog yourself, but you, you're kind of like, a are you like auntie to i'm one of alfie's godmothers i get that privilege um i've lived with a lot of dogs i've just never had my own one which is fine to be honest sometimes i don't resent that because i wouldn't want to have a dog if i'm not fully able to give the dog what it needs um which i think is very difficult and most dogs don't get what they need i think alfie definitely gets what he needs Mm. alfie is a very happy dog um and a lot of very happy dogs but Mm again a lot that i lived with um with a dog called jasper um at uni around similar time that i had my cat but not the actual same time um and i don't feel like he got what he needed i feel like he needed a lot more exercise than he got um and it made me so sad Mm. he'd look at me when i was leaving to go somewhere he'd be like take me out Mm. and i'd be like i'm literally going to uni and you're not allowed on campus and it would like break my heart every day to see his little eyes just wanting to go with me and oh god you can't always help it because yeah it's it's i know what you mean like uh this morning obviously because i knew that we were doing this i wanted to get up early and uh i got up and i think it was about half past six or something which is quite early for me and uh and it was still dark i was like right so so i'm doing this challenge and i'm doing this walk in so i wanted to get my walk in it's just like I start, you know, start off with just one and a half miles. I was like, right, the dog's coming with me, and I. She's like, she comes downstairs. She wants to use the, use, use the bathroom. That's not so weird. <laughs> I let her out. 
Oh, uh, and then she comes in and she's like, right, snacks, because I get treats when I wake up. So it's like the sooner she goes to the toilet, you know, she's been trained. She gets a <laughs> she gets a, a, a snack. And snack um, time. yeah, that's right. And then she just she'll just go to her bed downstairs. And it's like her bed is like by a radiator. And Aww. it's like this lovely sort of fluffy, like I mean, I just think you could make those like cur those circular beds for humans. And I'd like I'd I'd buy one and I'd just Why don't be we in get it. that? Yeah, yeah. why just, do our beds have to be square? Yeah, why can't they be wonderful and round? It's really weird. It's true. Um, yeah, it's only sort of exotic hotels that you see, like, mm. oh, it's a round bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, but yeah, so, but so anyway, so I, so I took her out and um, I literally had to pick her up from a bed, which, like, if you mess with her when she's in bed, she's just going to go out at you. So, so I had to, had to do that, put her lead on, take her out. I took her around the, literally around the corner and thought, right, I'm going to, take it and I was like really pleased because it was like really it was snowing and it was dark and I had my head torch and I was like I felt really good um you know it's such a loser Christ but anyway um <laughs> no. so uh, and I, I had <laughs> the dog off the lead. I had had the dog off the lead I just wanted to see because it's quite super quiet uh just to see whether she'd be all right off the lead and uh and so I sort of let her off the lead started walking and she's like I'm just I'm not moving and I'm basically thinking about going. She sort of was kept going like this, like she was going to go back. <laughs> I'm like, she's the only dog I've ever known that like would refuse walks and stuff like that. And I was oh, like, no, there's other ones. There's well, other ones. we had this, we had this, we had this kind of Mexican standoff and I was like, right, you, I'm going to break you. I'm going to just keep, I'm going to stand there until you come. And she's like, nah. So in the, I had to go back and I sort of shouted at her, put her on the lead and then like, marched her. And then I took her off the lead again. Oh. And then she was, then she was okay. So like once she gets okay. going, she's okay. But she, and then she, I think she realizes actually there's loads of really interesting smells. And the sooner I get through this, the sooner I, I can actually go back and chill. See that little cog's turning. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, there must be aspects that she enjoys, but maybe she just her paws are cold. Like some of them, I know dogs that won't go out in the rain. When really? I was babysitting Flower and Bodhi, which are these amazing dogs, which mm. I just by proxy because I can't have my own dogs. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna <laughs> hang around with your dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was there for two weeks ish. Um, and Flower, I think it was like one drop of rain. But she didn't even want to walk. She's a sausage. Like. She, I had to put her in a backpack and bring her to the field and then put her down and then she'd walk. Otherwise, you try and bring her out from the house. You put her in the like, come on, flower, let's go. She's like, just, yeah, it's so weird. Like, it <laughs> does not move. Literally, have you just have to drag the sausage and then I'm like, I don't hurt you. So, so you have to actually put her in a bag and bring her to the area that she will walk in. Yeah. It's fucking adorable. I've got photos of her in the flower mobile and it just, oh, she's so cute. But she's a princess. And do you say that I turned her into a princess because, like, I slept with her in the bed? Um, right. And <laughs> when my boyfriend came over, he also was, like, in the bed with these dogs. Just We were just like, she snuggled the dogs. And then Flower now likes to sleep in beds. Apparently she wasn't too fussed before. Yeah. But since I was snuggling her every night, she now likes to be snuggled all the time. And so I turned I mean, her into a princess. Jack Russell, um in my experience then so we're on number three now like they definitely mm. like sleeping in beds oh um, so tiny little barrels of cute yeah so i mean but they like we've had two two that um well no we've had three but uh the last two including mitzi this one um she i started off and i wanted her to sleep by my bed so sometimes she'll sleep by my bed and then about four o'clock in the morning, I hear these paws kind of scratching at the side of my oh. uh, 
the mattress and I sort of, and you know, I just pick her up and put her in bed, but she's got this, um, it's you know, both of the, well, both have been girls. The last two have been girls. And, um, but they will, they will give me affection, but they won't sleep with me. They won't say that. I don't know whether it's cause like, well, well, I might, you know, I might die if you roll over onto me. So but they're they're, they're, they'll always go and sort of sleep with, with the mum as opposed to, uh, which I kind of like, cause you know, I'm, you know, I'm not, I remember a, a friend, I'm not going to give any names away, but a friend of mine, his wife said, Oh yeah, you know, um, X and I, I nearly said it then X and I, you know, we, we, you know, fall asleep, you know, with arms around each other. I'm like, come on really like that that sounds so uncomfortable you know like it works for about five minutes and then you're like now i'm uncomfortable okay we're good like rotate 180 degrees yeah yeah that's right (laughs) anyway so uh so that's weird but um but yeah so that's they won't sleep with me but um yeah they're just great uh and and i think that they're yeah i with my with my last dog uh tinker i it was like yeah i I really, I, because she had cancer and she had cancer of the mouth. She basically had it for a year and sort of fought it off. She chewed it off at one point. It was just like, and I saw it. Oh I was like, oh my God. And obviously it grew back, but I was like, you know, when you're kind of praying and hoping, like, please. I mean, she did really well, but in the end, it was just, I remember taking her for a walk and just like, no, I don't want to do this. And I was like, okay, yeah. and actually it was on the day that she was scheduled for, you know, to be put to sleep um you and know, so it, it all time. kind of worked out but I, I kind of did most of my grieving before um oh. while she was still alive my kids were like going what's wrong with you she's still alive you know stop crying and i'm like oh. <laughs> and i was like listening to loads of sad music <laughs> you know but oh. when she died it was almost like it was like a it was like a relief really there was a yeah. lightness mm-hmm. um because then you can see them in pain yeah yeah, that's, yeah. it's just yeah. i mean how do you how do you do i mean obviously working with animals um how do you deal with death like that's i just don't think i could do it even though i'm not emotionally attached to them i mean i like how, how do you do it how do you do that it, it balances itself out i think a better person to ask this is someone that would be someone that's been practicing a while because mm. um I've taken a bit of a weird route where I took a year out. So I've had like quite a big break from it, but um, it takes its toll, especially when you're working with, say when I was working in the big hospital, Mm. when I hadn't graduated yet, all you see is sick animals there because Mm. they only come there when they're really sick. So especially if you're working in ER, it's just animals on drips. Um, I saw two open heart CPRs on big dogs because dogs that have um you know like heavy chested dogs like say yeah. greyhounds or massive great danes unless they're a small dog you can't effectively cpr them if their heart stops so in some cases you have to literally go inside um what, i won't crack crack, so, crack the, crack the ribs, yeah Dude. yeah try and be as sterile as possible in the time that you've got and do it from the inside and i'm worried to squeamish people out so i won't give more details but it's intense and then there's like 20 people trying to save this dog's life on a table um, and mostly yeah it's amazing to watch and most of the time when you get to that stage and you have to open heart cpr they don't survive seriously um, yeah but these nurses the nurses in the er are literally incredible they're mm. amazing we call it icu um but they're absolutely amazing why, um, do, why do they not survive nurses. 
because um, it's a very much last resort. I think it's something right. that's under 20% that survive because right. you literally have to cut into their chest. So even if they did survive and their heart started beating mm. again, the chances of infection are super high because you're not oh. in a sterile environment. You're in the ICU room and it's like super emergency. There right. was one dog that they did it on that um, he had had. It was very strange because he'd had the same completely unrelated surgery on his knee. Mm. Um and um he was fine after that but for some reason he died and completely no one knew why um because he wasn't sick on the operation right. he'd recovered they did everything to procedure to make him mm. as safe as possible um and he died and they did open heart cpr on him but i think by that time he was dead because they didn't expect it um i oh, don't know um what was the original question why did it not survive because yeah like the, the chances if you have to do open heart cpr it's very much salvage and then yeah. If you've opened a chest cavity, they might get infected. So I've never, that's not the sort of thing you'd see in a first opinion practice. That's very much right. referral. Um, okay. But seeing stuff like that, it like does really, I think it's a very high tension environment, high stress. Mm. And mm. people that work there, they just care so much about the animals, but a lot of them die when they've, but there's high, high quality of care. So a lot of them don't, but mm. when they're that sick, the chances of them dying is quite high. Um, so, so if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're working at a practice and, yeah. and the animal that you're working with, you know, dies for, I mean, what's, what's the process for that? Are you just like, uh, disappointment or is there any kind of, cause I, I, man, I just think I would, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think I'm strong enough to do that personally. I mean, maybe, maybe you get conditioned to well, it. I think you do. You definitely do. Yeah. But at the same time, it never stops affecting you, but you learn mm. to deal with it. Um, mm. Last I had one friend that has been in practice. She graduated the same year as me, but while I was off doing other things, she started doing vet. Mm. And um, she was trying to save this cat. Um, had, I think, like a multitude of issues, including kidneys. Um, and they just couldn't save it. Mm -hmm. And they tried literally everything. And she rung me just because she was so upset. Um, I think she just wanted maybe like reassurance that she couldn't have done anything better. Mm. Uh, but she was just like, Oh, just like what's the word um like almost like yearning that she could have helped it and that she right. was like racking her brains or like beating herself up because she felt responsible for this cat and I was like you literally couldn't have done anything else yeah. and it was and it's the cats that it's the animals that mean a lot to the owners as well when they have no one else apart from their animal yeah that's the well, hardest uh, uh, yeah I mean that that's really because uh you know, if you're working, let's say, in a farm environment, okay, so mm. I'm going to kind of bite my bottom lip and say, yeah, okay, farm, the farmers care about the animals. Okay, right, I'm going to not say any more than that. Mm. Otherwise, I'll just go into a rant. But anyway, so, um, so, so, yeah, so let's say that they do, that's fine. But it's not, there, there isn't that, you know, you're not where, where is it if you're in a, like a, a like a, like a, like a normal veterinary practice, you're seeing people, groups of people that are like really distressed and like just super gutted i mean that that i think that must have an impact like i mean it's different type of it's completely different ballpark farm vetting and small animal vetting right. um there are definitely farmers many farmers that care about the animals but it's not on the same level it's not they're not pets they're yeah they're profit they're not yeah, pets yeah. For profit um yeah. so and it's it's more like you're like a consultant. You're basically dealing with someone's business. Mm. You're not dealing with their pets. But then again, you're if you're a mixed or farm vet, you'll go and see hobby farmers too, right? And pet sheep and things. So you will get mm. that 
rarely but I'm sure it happens but it's just not the same and the fact that they we have to learn all three and be expected to do all three when a horse is a bit of mixture because as I might be being ignorant and maybe were a horse vet to listen to this they might be like stop chatting shit you don't mm-hmm. even know because mm-hmm. I've limited my exposure to it as much as possible but mm-hmm. horses are both economic in mo- many cases they're both economic and pets um so right. if they if they compete with their horses that's economic um if they own a load of horses and have a livery yard or something they rent the horses out people share horses mm-hmm. like there's a lot of finance that goes into that um for more reasons business, than just it? being a pet yeah yeah so the stables that i had to do placement at was in a very posh area and i think it cost more to keep your horse there than it would to rent like a penthouse apartment in central london um mad money in horses but not for the vets just for the clients yeah. um and then obviously there are horsey people that don't have that money but so it's uh, like a pet that you don't keep in your house yeah yeah well, for some people that live in the countryside perfectly can do yeah, that yeah, but I guess, yeah. people if they own a horse in wimbledon they can <laughs> put their horse yeah. in the stables in wimbledon and then okay. part of the price is people do all the work for the horse i think some of them come in and muck out and stuff but yeah i don't really know how it works it's very strange but i could never put myself into that environment and be a horse vet it's just not an interest to me and then farms just make me too sad and make me feel like no, why, why not the it. horses though why not because you know horses are nice animals and stuff. Uh, yeah they're great um i don't know i've just never ridden i feel like it's this very exclusive world that you right. have to have been in from a young age yeah and if you're not they don't respect you and oh, they okay. don't want you there um right. that's how it felt being a placement very clicky student. kind of thing yeah 100 yeah. percent. that's how it felt being a placement student so mm. you're bear in mind you're doing like you're made to do two weeks of this placement in a stables all you do is clean up if you're very lucky you'll see a horse vet come in and do some work on a horse you're like oh god a vet's coming in yay mm. but all you do is clean and push like push poo mm. around um it was harder for me because I had like a really bad back at that time and they were so unsympathetic. Mm. Um, so, oh, I don't know. It's a really bad, <laughs> bad memory. Um, but mm. they were so cliquey and so horrible. Um, and the first thing they asked you is, oh, do you ride? And you're like, no, I've never ridden. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so imagine so- I've met one person who was a horse vet and never had a horse. And he right. was pretty cool. Um, I did placement with him for like a day. Mm. and he said you can totally do it you just have to work a lot harder but you have to have a passion for horses and it's very much a lifestyle that i yeah. never was part of and never will be part of so right quite happy to completely distance myself from that aspect of that thank you very I wonder, much i wonder what the horsey people are gonna say when they say that hate me that's fine yeah, yeah <laughs> i have yeah. horsey friends though um that say one of my friends that's a mixed vet um then she's really horsey and she's absolutely wonderful um yeah so they aren't all snobby definitely yeah. not but it's a maybe theme. maybe, it's, a maybe theme. it's the i don't know because obviously it's you know to it's like you know like golf or sailing or you know to to join a golf club is ridiculous money you know to be able to sail whether you're you know renting out a boat a vessel or or actually owning a boat Mm-hmm. mad money so i suppose yeah there's yeah. Th- there is an exclusivity about yeah. that and i think you know being able to have the amount of money or or at least some, some sort of setup where you can afford to mm-hmm. you know keep an animal in a different location that's mm-hmm. paid for and it i mean that's i don't know i think 
some people definitely buy into that whole exclusive thing don't they yeah yeah it's much cheaper outside of london i'm sure to keep a horse um yeah i know people that are on a vet salary and keep several horses but they don't mm. live in london um mm. it's a very different life but your whole life revolves around your horses so mm. you have to get up crack of dawn to mm. sort them out ride them before you even go to work um so you really have that has to be like in your lifeblood yeah. it's so much work you can't do anything else really yeah um, I, I remember there was um just over over christmas there was a, a a local dog that um uh went missing and um and so i was looking and he was spotted in the in in the in the, in the horses kind of field and oh, it's okay. like where you can learn to ride horses and stuff and i was like there were it's a big area obviously you know because the horses need different but there were there was always maybe about at least when when i when i was there sort of marching across their field saying hi sorry grab that dog if it comes anywhere near you and you know um there was, there was like a minimum of about like three actually they're were, they were, they were all young they're all females and most of them were young women um that were that were there so it was like it's clearly something that is maybe people love you know you, you you've got to have that passion now i don't know whether i i get the impression that they were just working there and maybe if they work there they get a reduced rate at riding horses or passionate about horses or yeah. something but they but, just um, love being around them it's yeah people are just passionate about horses hmm. i don't maybe if you work from them with them from a young age you can cultivate that but i think it'd be quite hard to cultivate now hmm. and a lot of effort and hmm. Wow, dogs and cats are awesome. I don't need horses. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only want to work with dogs and cats. How, anyway. do, how does the with with horses like? Do they always have that thing in their mouth? Or... <laughs> what the bit? Yeah, I don't think so. No, it's only okay. when you put them on. Like, oh god, I have to remember now. But Can you ride a horse on... without the thing in its mouth? I reckon you could, but it would be a bit. You wouldn't be able to control it as well. They have several different types of thing as well. They're all called different things, like bit, and then you have like a. Oh, this is why my knowledge is almost non-existent yeah, 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 that's, that's cool. have like bars and different things for different types of riding and if you're just leading them you put something different to when so you're riding like, them and again you know so if anyone is watching this that they know about horsey stuff then please do please, tell please tell. <laughs> so because as i understand it it's like they've got this this metal bar in their mouth that's like uh, uh, and it's yeah. like if they're pulled that way they know to go that way yeah that's so dead that's so I just it's not that. uncomfortable for them though bear in mind because they have this thing called a diastema which is like a gap in their teeth so they have all the front teeth big gap back teeth so the bar just kind of just chills there it's not like on their teeth irritating them so oh, it's right. not cruel or anything um but it's still something in their mouth that they don't want to have in their mouth oh, God, like, if you said yeah. to a horse like here like just do you want this in i mean i don't know maybe they get conditioned to it I don't know. yeah i think so and it's probably like a dog with a lead they're like oh, i don't really like leads but i get to go for a walk so yeah yeah i, suppose, I think yeah. horses like riding they enjoy riding so yeah do you I think, think so? they can be yeah i think so um, i don't really agree with like racing horses when, yeah because so many of them break their legs and die and have to be shot on the spot and yeah things. you see the black thing around the racetrack don't you yeah i've i've never really i wouldn't want to be associated with that mm. if you look at the anatomy of horses they have all this they're prey not predators right so they have all this they're, they're not really meant to run for long distances i don't think mm. if i'm yeah. correct so they have a lot of weight on top of them yeah, and they're they muscular have, animals yeah yeah and then they have these thin little legs like that come down to a point a little stick yeah ungulates, they're called what's that um, um i don't really know why that evolved the way it did but yeah. um maybe i don't know maybe ease of movement of the legs or something but yeah um again just guesses here um but the thing i learned the most 
but stuck in my head from vet school was the digital flex attendants which are you know how we have achilles it's like their equivalent to achilles so this is their foot and the back is here they have this tendon here so when a horse's leg comes down to the floor and takes their weight the kit like the tendon it stretches like mad it's this thick ass tendon and it like their foot actually you'll see it on a video go like that and then the tendon around the back is what's supporting all their weight through this foot um and I'm dead like every time their leg comes down it like completely almost the bone almost hits the floor and the only thing that's allowing that to happen is the thick ass tendon um so of course if they're jumping over big things they're gonna they're not built for I don't think horses are built to jump yeah and i don't think it's fair but i know nothing about the racing world so i could really offend a lot of people here but um what ifs i'm not never going to try and get a job in the horse field so yeah yeah, does it um they can be offended not that they're going to listen to this but um like i just don't think it's right the horses should be jumping they might have to do one jump to get away from a lion but evolutionarily yeah yeah, yeah. jump isn't there some um uh is it viennese horses that are like there there's like that they're bred to be jumping horses. I think I'm sure it's like Ooh, I don't know. years ago. That sounds saying, cool. Though. Yeah, Viennese horses, and they're these, they're these horses that can do these really amazing kind of little jumps. But you know, I think like with anything, yeah, while they're doing them and they're trained in their prime, that's fine. But you know, what, what, what after you know when, when their tendons are all like burnt out or whatever, or melted away to nothing. Well, yeah. what, what's going to happen to them? You know. But yeah, do um, the tendons melt away to nothing? I mean, I don't know. It's just maybe quite. If you're putting that much weight through one tendon, the energy's got to go likely. somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. feel like they're quite prone to breaking, and yeah. why should we do a sport that makes it likely that your animals will break? Yeah, that's not Could nice. We? Yeah, there's lots no. of things that humans do that aren't. I'm with that, right? But so um, how's how's lock, how's lockdown been for you as a young person? I call well, you a young person. No, that's appropriate. Uh, okay, so why not? Um, I think every lockdown has been different. So, like, we've had the three, right? The first lockdown, I was living with Alfie and his wonderful family, Long Boy, um, because it was weird. I like came back from um, traveling because I failed my exams because okay. of the farm question. Yeah. Um, and the horse question probably failed both. Um, mm. I think is I put all my effort into small animals. I love it, but I just couldn't like. And this mental state I was in, I look back at it now, and I'm like, I wasn't like how I was feeling was not conducive to revision. So can you finish that? Can you go have. go back and finish that? Oh, I'm done now. Oh, you're done now. Okay, yeah, I just That's had to amazing. revise for three months. I just did the retakes, what they're called. Amazing. And even if if you fail retakes, they give you another chance. But I didn't, so it's all great. Oh, see. Um, yeah. So the reason I was living there was because I came back to revise I was traveling and I was like damn it I have to come back so I came back revised loads um then didn't really have the money at that point because I didn't have a job because I just passed I didn't have the money Mm -hmm. to go rent somewhere and I really didn't want to live at home um so many reasons I couldn't do it to myself so I just was talking I was I think I lived oh no I did live at home for a bit I lived at home while I revised and it made me a lot worse than I already Mm -hmm. was I was um it's not a very good environment for me especially when i'm not in a good place um so then I, was, uh, um, I don't get on with my mum very well oh yeah i yeah. find her very difficult to yeah. i don't get me wrong if she, if she happens to listen to this i do love her very much um mm. i appreciate that she put me into the world we're um, an hour into the podcast i, I yeah, <laughs> she, just have to be far. super committed and 
that means she loves you if she's this she's yeah we're an hour in and she's still listening yeah. and she, she thanks mom yeah. <laughs> so don't make i hate but it's I tough don't though when you when you when you grow up though you know you reach i mean uh you know you it's normal for for there to be like a movement away from your parents i think that's a normal yeah. thing isn't it yeah it should be it should be accepted i don't think it was accepted in my case right. it was i was made to feel very guilty for it um right. whether she realized that or not or did it deliberately um mm. she guilt tripped me a okay. lot throughout uni because i just wouldn't come home and it was because i was trying to get away from what i inherently knew was in some ways a toxic environment and i was yeah. just trying to protect myself but she can't see that um yeah maybe she can now but she couldn't at the time um but I just couldn't I, I lived there and it was making me I just need knew that I needed to get out um so I ended up just living with my friends and yeah. Alpha's family because they offered um yeah and they're like the most wonderful people probably they, yeah on this earth they're like such an amazing family I can't mm. even if you could picture a family that's functional they're like the archetype of the most functional loving family that genuinely love each other and don't argue and like they're wonderful and so giving and so kind like it's unbelievable that humans like that still exist um (laughs) but they do and they're amazing so i live with them for the whole of first lockdown so which was awesome because it never felt like you were really isolated because there were six of us in the house um so there was always something to do i was never bored or anything um the only problem was i just missed muay thai so much Mm. i would honestly cry like i cried mm. so many times just oh, really? i missed yeah call me pathetic no no that's awesome my my like reason for living for four years was muay thai and that's literally mm. the only reason i had um i hated everything else i hated my okay. degree for a lot of it um i like didn't like my living situation mm. i i was like so miserable and i just mm. like channeled everything into muay thai Mm. I wouldn't I literally would not miss a session for even an exam mm. I made sure that everywhere I went I was training um mm. so super obsessive like I said that's what I'm like that's and there's definitely disadvantages and advantages to that mm. um but um yeah so I just missed Muay Thai so much and it was so kind of them so I had a bag like a really light bag and um my friend's dad he um like drilled it into their garden what's it called like a, a shed they had like a shed and he actually because yeah. he's his whole job is furniture building they are super good with their hands so he like oh fantastic. in about two seconds just like yeah sure just drill it into the thing so i had a bag um and it was amazing so that was really good and i taught katie a bit of muay thai and like mm. um which was cool but i just missed my gym because my gym as i was told by my therapist was my substitute family um that i had made yeah. in my brain um <laughs> Well, but, 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 it is, but it is but it is a family isn't it I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean I think you know I've you know I've been doing like I said martial arts and stuff since I was, was a long time and and I've noticed that in Muay Thai and in Jiu Jitsu there is this real sense of brotherhood sisterhood you know family and um and I think I, I have a theory um and uh I think it's because you're at you know, because you're actually spending time, not just together, but you're, because you could be doing that in any sport, but actually you're, you're actually making physical contact and there's grappling in, in obviously jujitsu is grappling, but you know, in, in, in Muay Thai, you know, you're literally grabbing hold of something. There's a lot of physical contact. And although, you know, theoretically it's like, well, yeah, but you're fighting each other. There's still, there's still that, that, yeah. you know, that, that idea that you're, you're both, 
you know you're you're really uh exerting great effort and at the end of it you know you get to hug and shake hands and you know it, it just it builds massive bonds doesn't it so i i get that yeah. i think that's a real thing that's i think it's an amazing thing about martial arts yeah to allow each other to hit each other there has to be a level of trust that you probably wouldn't get in other sports because you have to trust mm. each other to not actually injure each other yeah and that's why it's so grating when you get someone that can't control their power mm. and it depends because if then you you kind of understand you're like they'll learn over time that they mm. need to learn how to hit fast but not hard and I was mm. like that I can I would hit too hard maybe at first because mm. I was nervous and, you know but it's when you get the guys that are stubborn they don't listen and they're mm. just they have such a huge ass ego that mm. that's, I don't know what's going on in my brain I can't pretend that i can get inside their brains and be like this mm. is why they do what they do yeah. um but i feel like there's usually one in each gym that just spars like an absolute nutter mm. and not tie and that's like really untie stuff they're usually like that i'm a mixed martial artist and i've done this martial art this martial art which can mm. be great don't get me wrong mm. but mm. then when you come to a muay thai gym and you spar like an absolute spastic mm. and you want to take people's heads off mm. it's not that's not the culture mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. stop <laughs> but they don't there's no point wasting your energy getting mm. angry because they don't understand and they won't understand so yeah. you just need to kind of avoid them as much as possible and wait till they leave because mm. they won't last mm -hmm. because they'll they'll eventually leave the gym and stop coming because mm. they don't have the commitment mm. but it's usually the same people that are like um i don't want to do pad work i don't really like technique but they'll come for spa and then they'll smack your head off Mm. so you don't feel like you can try anything yeah. um so they really they ruin that trust there's usually and you can't like so, unless people are really horrible i wouldn't expect them to be kicked out of the gym it's just really difficult to navigate that yeah it is yeah because everyone has the right to be there everyone has the yeah. right to train but people just don't understand the culture if some people just don't get it and they won't get the thai culture and you don't have to have gone to thailand to understand that yeah sensitive. i mean it's it's a long time since uh since i've actively trained more thai but I know in certainly in jiu-jitsu when when you get somebody who comes in and you know they want to they're like outside of the the family if you like and they they come and they're like you know like jiu-jitsu sparring is usually it's quite playful and you know it, it's sort of, there's there's not there's not really much aggression there it's more focused technique and stuff like that i suppose i'm being really stereotypes about about that but 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 you get some guys that are like trying to kill people like take people's head off and yeah. you know if they're if they're yeah. more experienced and they're like beating up white belts and you know usually the the standard practice is that there's an info and there's an enforcer there's somebody you know that is quite experienced and good and you know that they will basically go and hand out an, an ass kicking to to that person <laughs> like unspoken law <laughs> and, and break them i mean is yeah. that is that is that is that something that happens in Muay Thai gyms? I'd say, oh, yeah, it can do. So it's it like, right, do. you're going with, uh, yeah, John, you're going with, with him. And then it's like, okay, then they need to kind of be broken and mm -hmm. maybe had a little yeah. word word with them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think maybe there should be more talking sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't, um, and I'm not pretending that I see everything that happens, but um, mm. I think a lot of the time, I've spied with a lot of people, um, just proportionally to how long I've been doing the sport, mm. I'd say. Um, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm not trying to blame my own trump or anything. I've just been no, to a lot of gyms. Um, <laughs> and um, usually Brilliant. the people that do that and they they hit too hard and they're like, they aggravate you because they're really tense. 
they're usually scared um mm. and they wouldn't admit that because they're men and mm. men don't admit they're scared um mm. most men but yeah. um it's that you can read <laughs> you just can oh i don't know if everyone can do this but i'm just very able to read people's energy a lot of yeah. the time and um it can also be a massive curse because i get too involved in things and too absorbed into other people's emotions but mm. um you can tense you can sense what type of energy they have and mm. some people that aren't experienced they're just really like oh my god i just need to do this really well and then mm. as a result they're so tense that they can't hit properly mm. um or they can but they just smack you in the face mm. um so there's that and then there's people that are really good and you often find that the really highly skilled people spot so light and it's beautiful and they mm. let you practice and they're not because they're not worried they're chill like they have that tie vibe about them mm. but then occasionally you get like the really experienced guys that don't have to do that but mm. they do and mm. you're like what is that like mm. is that ego is that mm. sorry if i use this word a lot but i've realized that i think it rules and it's one of the plagues of humanity is the male ego. I honestly mm, think like, for sure. and I know very not small half of the people and not specific on which gyms at all, but that they're very good. And there is no re- reason why they feel, why they would have to mm. hit like as hard as they do. And I understand that if it was a hard sparring session and you go to get mashed and That's practice yeah. getting mashed, yeah, then absolutely do that. But yeah. if you're like medium to light spa session mm. and they don't have a light spa mode, you're like, but you can. So why are you doing this? Mm. You know? Mm. And I think it's, that's an issue within themselves. Like martial arts is so strange because it's so linked to your inner state, um, mm. regardless of which one it is. I'm sure the others are like that. But yeah. if you're getting someone that's very skilled and they're hitting you really hard and they're just like destroying you, mm if it is a time and a place but if it's not the time or the place and they just do it all the time what does that say about them yeah. why are they doing that why do they need to do that yeah there's, there's something that in them that is not settled i mean sense. yeah yeah i mean I, I i recall and i suppose to some extent still in jiu-jitsu um maybe i've got a similar attitude where i'll kind of usually start off quite um gentle and slow and you know just seeing what the other person's got and then the the and, and you know you're talking about energy and sometimes you know you'll go in here and their energy's here mm-hmm. and you have to like you have to jump up there you know yeah or do you not because if you're told that this is light spa and there's someone up here and you're like i've been told that i have to keep yeah. my energy down here yeah. this is and i know that this is this thing that i should be doing because it helps me to learn it helps you to learn but they're like smack 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 mm. and you're like oh, okay mm. just it's really hard to so, keep that yeah, down. So, i think with it i think w- with experience i think uh without experience i think you you're you'll naturally go up to meet their energy levels i think with experience you can learn to uh, channel your response through that technique and what I mean by that is um, and, I, and I think it's the same for Muay Thai or, or Jiu Jitsu really which is that if somebody's really coming at you and they're you know being really physical and stuff like that you can actually use your technique to just school them without changing your your, your anger yeah and then, yeah 100% and, and, you're not and, affected by it yeah so yeah. and that's and it's like it's like you're getting a level of revenge or a level of you know retribution but it's it's a dish that served cold as opposed to (laughs) because then that that way you you lose your you lose your shit and your technique goes out the window and so rather than you know just 
Um, and I think in my experience, you know, being able to, to do that and, um, and, you know, be able to, you know, you know, somebody is like you know, really rambunctious and really super physical, you know, but they're over a period of like maybe five minutes, they've tapped like, you know, like three, four or five times or whatever. Um, then it has it usually has an impact on them. They're like, wow, that's amazing and stuff like that. And then, then they will go away and it's, they have to sort of quite often, they have to rejig their map of the world. And, and, you yes. know, and I think that, 100%. you know, w w with, with somebody that's, that's good, um, you know, in, in Muay Thai as well, you know, that, that you can just be outclassed, you know, yeah. and you can be outclassed, you know, you don't, yeah. you can still, you can still be kind of like, um, be taught that lesson without actually being having having to be beaten up just by being absolutely outclassed and, and outmaneuvered and out technique. But and I think, I think there's, there's, yeah, that's right. It's levels and, and there's, there's no need to willfully apply your, you know, your power and your strength yeah. if, if it's not been asked for, you know, unless the only thing that, that, that could be going on there is if you've got like super heavy hands or feet or, or whatever, or really, or really strong. And you're, you're not, you're not cognitive. You're not aware of that. And the other person's like, Oh my God, like they're really going for me. So they come, but I just think well, that's probably more of a, yeah. more of an unlikely thing than that. That's no, it's a more beginner thing. Um, oh, yeah. I can think of examples of all these cases. Um, there's guys that I know that are like sweetest guy ever. Um, just doesn't know how hard he hits. Yeah, reasonably skilled, but not. He's not at the level of skill where he understands mm. that that is that he's mm. hitting too hard and it's mm. becoming unproductive. Mm. Because especially if you're like, for example, not in a gym environment where mm. there's no, it's less controlled, like mm. lockdown, um, and you like you need to be safer. Um, mm. Then, but then you can tell from the person that they don't mean harm. Um, mm. Or you can at least think you can tell. I think I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. I've, and on the other hand, what you said about the outclassing, which mm. is like the best way to do it, and you don't mm. even need to put any, because mm. there's two ways of doing it. You can like put someone in their place, as this usually happens between guys. You can someone's being a dick, and mm. a more skilled fighter just like bashes the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, to put them in a place. But mm. I've seen the better way, which is what you're describing, um, recently really experienced really skilled fighter that I just love to bits I really admire him um was sparring in a group with a again mixed martial artist done a lot of martial arts knows a lot of martial arts mm -hmm. much better than he knows Muay Thai um again I really respect him as a person I think he's really mm -hmm. cool but I really struggled sparring him at first I right. thought because oh his energy was just like mm, he was a nervous type you know and he also right. wasn't Thai style so very difficult to know what he's going to do just like mm. spinning back kicks and like mm. which like aren't forbidden so you don't feel like you yeah. can't be like don't do that mate like this is tie spa because that's just yeah. dick isn't it dick move. yeah um but super skilled guy i saw this moment oh my god it was magical right so <laughs> it was i think just three of us that day um me and two guys and there was this moment where the less experienced of the two mm he finally like began to spar lighter and I could mm. see him relaxing because there was fewer of us. So it was less like pressure, pressure which yeah. is yeah, but unspoken, you know, but there is, For sure, um, yeah. and the only other people with him was one really experienced guy that spars probably the lightest out of the group. 
because he doesn't need to spar hard mm-hmm. that's just his personality he's like chilled as hell um and me so i'm not really threatening because I'm, I'm a woman um but i get it i do get it Racist. it's less <laughs> it's a it's a vibe like it's you'd be less threatened by a woman in a hitting situation sure okay yeah. and there's a lot of issues with sexism in the sport but i do understand mm. that that's what how you'd feel and he's like he had this realization um if he's watching um i hope he appreciates this but it made me so happy because he was like oh my god you're just so controlled mm. and i don't feel like i need to i feel like i can practice stuff with you i feel like i can like I don't need to be worried and I was like you get it you get it like this is how it's supposed to be and you need to know how that feels in order to hard spar like you need to know how light spar feels to then be able to hard spar if you haven't learned to light spar your hard spar is going to be a shit show because you're going to be so nervous Mm. but he finally understood what it was like to be able to practice and that you don't, don't need to be tense I was like oh my god and I told him afterwards I was like you have got so much better and I told him I was because I'd like trying to be honest with people sometimes I said I found it so hard to spy you when we first met and I hated it Mm. um because you're just so tense and your energy was all wrong but I was like I just want to tell you that you are so much better yeah than you were I hope you didn't think I was being like because it's always a bit difficult to say that as a girl in a man's sport and it shouldn't be you should be equal but that's a difficult thing for me to say because you are inherently worried about bruising egos um mm. which happens a lot with men and you don't want to give them the wrong impression like that's meant to be a compliment yeah but for some men that'll be like okay but no he took it really well because yeah. he's a nice person but it just his personality didn't quite translate to sparring because he was not very experienced in muay thai and it was just such a beautiful moment that he learned that through the experienced guy who has taught me a lot as well like he's a very good teacher mm. as well and he's taught muay thai before so i super admire him and that was like one of the moments that i admire him the most for because it's like without a, even doing man. anything you know yeah. he taught that it's amazing yeah no that's really that's really cool and i think that that's uh that's one of the things about martial arts is that there is this this it's not just about learning techniques it's it's learning things about yourself you know learning yeah self-mastery absolutely and learning that actually there is a gauge of how much output you can give you know if you think all right okay you're going to spar that person you know at at one point of a person's development they're going to think okay that means i'm going shit or bust kind of thing but you know obviously with experience you know you know that kind of like that that almost like combat maturity sort of comes about and they you know for most people i guess i'm sure there are kind of outliers that are just like no they're just nuts all the time kind of thing but you know good luck that um and you know there might even be successful people that are doing that i don't know but yeah very few but there are very experienced people that are just fucking whacking sparring and you're like why are you being so aggressive yeah all the time very experienced but that's doesn't that's few and far between normally when they're really experienced the more experienced the chiller they are and the better they are to spar yeah so you've had fights right yeah um i mean some people don't even call them fights when they're not pro i don't know if you're of that mindset yeah of course Um, they are yeah i don't know some people are um so i've done a mixture of pro and k1 amateur um so never done no shinies yet and this year was supposed to be the year that I was fighting lots. Like we would agree we were going to try and get a fight a month, which probably wouldn't have happened because it's hard to match, but yeah. we were going to really try and ramp it up because I was not in a position where work was really getting in the way of stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'd graduated finally, so I could stop trying to take exams and shit. So mm-hmm. I was like, right, we can actually focus on fighting this year. COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It hasn't happened in a while. I did manage yeah. to get a few in in 2020, though, so I'm lucky at least. That's I've got a few. Yeah. And, and it sounds like because you've had you had young experience or what's that mean uh you had basically uh competition experience when you were young be it in gymnastics or cheerleading or and stuff like that that um did that kind of like help you with regards to the competitive element or the preparation <laughs> side yeah um not maybe not with the preparation side um because it's completely different no i mean i mean like sorry i'm so used to whenever when i would say preparation i obviously mean mental preparation um yeah yeah even then it's so different um yeah okay like, i think the sports i've done before they'd all been team um and yeah muay thai is kind of a team sport because you're just your coach's robot in a way like you mm. the better you are the more you listen to them and the more you're doing what they tell you mm. um so you're not on your own ever in the ring really but it's also not dependent you don't rely on anyone else whereas cheerleading and gymnastics it was always I always had to like it was a team like if someone else messed up I couldn't there's nothing I can do about that yeah in Muay Thai it's all on you so oh yeah to listen and to perform so there's mm. nothing anyone else can do that you can be like oh they messed up so I messed up like no mm. um it's all you you are completely mm. responsible for your actions which is a great mm. thing um but yeah just having a com having competed mm. i was just like in my mind like i always wanted to the moment i saw those people sparring i was like i want to do that i want to compete it mm. um so i just i can't really do a sport without competing i don't know did, how that, did you um did you see uh when you fought in muay thai did you see it that okay i'm having a it's a competition and i'm, I'm gonna have a fight but it's it's actually a sport competition or did you sort of see it as in i'm having a fight uh, both. <laughs> no, I think it's a competition. Um, yeah, it's definitely a competition because it's a fight, but it's not a fight. Like it's mm. it's a controlled fight, and yes, you can smack mm. the hell out of the person and mm. injure them, and it's very likely that you'll get injured. But it's mm. it's not like a street fight. I think that's what mm. people misunderstand. It's mm. like, oh, you're just like really barbaric, and you like have too much anger. That's mm. my pet hate. Oh, you must be really angry if you fight. No, I'm I'm not angry because I fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. partly yeah. it's like this actually yeah. helps me to not yeah, be angry, course, but yeah. you won't understand because you don't actually make the effort. The people that say that hmm. are usually the men that come up to you in gyms when they see you hitting the bag and try and hit on you, and um, then or in my case, repeatedly harass you for like three years straight until you finally stick up for yourself. Seriously? Yeah, I had that at uni. Bit, that is actual proper stalky. Unbelievable. So. It was just no, you know, when you're like, how did I allow that for so long? But there's so many things in my life that I've allowed because mm. I wasn't strong enough to like stick mm. up for myself, and I've only learned that through therapy. But mm -hmm. um, I had this this guy at I don't want to like I'm obviously not going to dub a minute, but and I'm not going to mention which establishments, mm. um, even though you could put two and two together. But mm. a lecturer, literally, mm. I I was in the same gym for three years, um, and I would go in, I'd use the weights, I'd do bags. Luckily, mm. we had a bag. Mm. It's the same gym as I did most of my boxer size in with the mm. guy that took me to Diablo. Sure. Because um, he used to teach at the uni and was near Diablo. So that's mm. how that's linked. I just would go and mind my own business. I started very early on, like coming up to me making comments. Um, like what? I mean, is he it like started, trying to... It started subtle, so I can't even remember the beginnings of it. Um, but then as time progressed, it would like become sexual. Um, he'd ask me, oh, um just as the few that i can actually remember um 
oh you, you seem really angry today you're hitting the bag extra hard like um are you pissed off at your boyfriend or oh Ooh, that's um, so are you gonna creepy. do that to your boyfriend when you get home um another one oh well, your wrap's red because you've got blood on your hands and you're trying to hide it um and then I was downstairs, like after so boxer size class. This is the worst one. So I had a, I have a really, obviously my bad back. This is pain in my life. There's the, this massage roller that I discovered late into uni, which is like a peanut shape. So it's got two balls. Yes. Bit phallic. Cool. Oh, Go yeah. Over it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're great. So you can lie on the floor and you can have either, and it side, rolls of either side of your spine. Yeah, exactly. So that's the exact bit because my ligaments are lax now because I've got less disc. My muscles are super tight so that's sure. perfect for me and for my neck and like and I used to use it on my feet as well because bear in mind I'd be training like three different gyms five times a week minimum wow. um and like running and I was like mad fit back then yeah so my feet would get sore because I was kicking like however many hundreds of times a week um sure. so I'd roll my feet like because my feet would get really sore and Oh, he kept making comments about my peanut massage roll. He was like, oh, you look like you're rolling on a pair of bollocks. Like he interrupted a conversation I was having once with other staff members in the gym just to come over and tell me that I was rolling on balls. Um, and he made several comments about the like the dick balls that I was using. Oh, and he'd like I'd had injured knee just from overuse. And he'd be like, Elsa, what happened to your knee? And I was like, oh, I just injured it. And then he just like gave like unsolicited. You should do this for your knee. I'm like. What did he get hands on? No, no, thank God. Oh um, God. But he just like gave Knee me in the face. advice, like, oh, you know, the best thing to do is you don't even know what my injury is, mate. Like, yeah. he is horrible, and he's had other complaints made about him too. Um, yeah. I know other people that can't stand him, but I finally stood up for myself. She talked to my training partner about it, and she was like, "I believe in you. You can totally like." You need to front him. to shove it. Yeah, and I told him, "I think you've been harassing me for three years, and I don't think it's right." He ended Amazing. up examining me as well because he's a lecturer so oh, you imagine the crossover like i was already crapping myself for those exams and i saw him as one of the examiners of the practical station i was like oh my god are you joking uh, it's just so unprofessional it's horrible um, that's really crazy. i never escalated it i should have escalated yeah. it. i never did i just yeah. um talked to him and i was and he was like oh it's only ever meant to be a compliment it was the most awkward conversation i've ever had because i just i kind of shy away from conflict like that because mm. i know a lot of girls do and it's kind of something i'm not proud of mm. but oh i just told him that i just don't appreciate these comments that you've been making for years and i just yeah, really creepy. wish that you'd stop um yeah and he did stop after that but it took so long for me to do that and it shouldn't have taken that long yeah well um, yeah i mean it's it's a difficult situation because obviously you know, if he, if the guy was a lecturer and you're a student and it's like, there's clearly a power relationship exactly. there, power you know, whether, whether there's, whether that's something that is kind of in your mind or not, it, it certainly exists. Um, and I, I sort of think, well, I wonder what would happen if you bought like a big Joe from the club down, you know, <laughs> just like hold him up. Yeah. Like, can you stop oh, that? He was huge, mate. I don't think he could, yeah. anyone could have held him. I was a big power lifter type guy. Like, oh, right. Oh, right. Very so, peacocky. He would come into the gym like, oh, I'm so strong, which he was like, yeah. fair play. Yeah. He was very Doesn't strong. Mean you but... fight, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> it means nothing yeah. in the fight world. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not fair because imagine the fear in my head could be well if i make an enemy of him then um 
he could mark could me down in my exams. No yeah, one ever have all, any that proof really that it was that reason. It's yeah. the same reason why people get harassed on their placements. I've met mm. not everyone, obviously, thank God, mm. but I've met a few people that have actually had harassment issues with farmers on their placements, and they haven't said anything because they want to get their paperwork signed right. off and they don't want to go go again. They don't want to do it again. That's so creepy, that's though, isn't it? Because that, that that's yeah. sort of similar to the way um, you know, you get like the sort of the pedo characters were like, I know what, I'll go and work in a school, like. And then, you know, yeah. and then they're in, then that, that sort of person is in that perfect kind of environment where they yeah, can manipulate young, but it's disgusting. But um, yeah, I think with farmers, it's more like they just don't, um, from what I've heard, and I'm again, sorry if I'm being ignorant, but I think a lot of farmers just don't see a lot of women. Um, right. So it's more of a big deal when a female vet student comes to the farm. Um, I had a harassment farmer. It wasn't massive. It was like nothing that I would have reported. He was like 60 five seventy Bliss. i don't know like really old really old yeah. um for a farmer anyway what did like you come and make tea no but he oh he made so many comments about my ass and i was like 18 um so he would bad. comment on it like at least four times in the two weeks that i was there like mm. i literally was so overt as well i remember mm. standing up from the sofa he was like what a bum like oh my god <laughs> and then i was in a sheep pen like this is so that student story i was like in a sheep pen trying to milk a sheep because the sheep had misshapen udders and she couldn't get the milk to her lamb oh my god i hate farms but i was in there like that's one of the farmers told me can you try and get some milk off her put it in a bottle and give it to the lamb so i was like fuck so i never obviously don't know how to milk anything i'm a city girl like help right. so <laughs> got in there was like trying to milk this sheep oh like, it's not working and this farmer this old ass farmer he steps over the gate in this little tiny pen and like that's not how you do it you're doing it wrong and he like i was crouched and no. he reached his he put his whole body over me and sort of around you under the sheep so he, I, he was literally like hugging me That's to wild. like milk the sheep and i was my friend who i was on placement with was like at the other side of the barn i remember being like Beck, Beck, come help me. yeah <laughs> she no. was so far away <laughs> that's so creepy ah uh, but I that's wonder... so grim but it's the oh. same with power dynamics isn't it because if i yeah. had said anything and i leave the farm i have to do it again and they don't sell my paperwork yeah yeah <laughs> i I, th I th i'm sure i'm sure that kind of thing actually goes on a lot more than than is reported um 100%. but I, I just wonder like what was his end game like God, does he think yeah. that you know was he did he think i know what is a young lady a pair of compliment about her backside i mean like maybe <laughs> no. maybe by doing that she'll like me and we'll get a date you know but i don't think there's an end game i think they're just thinking from their penis yeah yeah possibly yeah yeah um that's so weird but so so anyway so so the rest of lockdown is yes yeah, sorry have, have, i diverted. no so, no it's, <laughs> it's excellent thank you um are you and people because because how old are you now mel 25 now. 25 oh my god 25 i'm literally twice <laughs> as old mel, as old as <laughs> so depressing I'm twice as old as you. I'm sorry. I've been around twice as long as you. Sorry. It's ridiculous. And it's no, actually, sorry. sometimes time blows my mind because yeah, it's crazy, I'm like, how many things have happened in 25 years? I'm like, how many more things could happen in 25 more years if I'm still mm. lucky enough to be alive by then? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, that's Yeah, incredible. it's nuts. Yeah, I don't know. But it's like, so, so for you guys that, are, that, are, that you're 20-somethings, like, how are you, how are you and your pals dealing with, with lockdown? Um, does it vary or every, is it... yeah it has varied i think varies from person to person probably um but this is why i tried to explain that every lockdown has been different for me because sure the first one with the family so whilst i missed muay thai i was so lucky that i was mm. in such an amazing environment with them um 
and the only reason I moved out really was because um I knew that gyms were going to open I didn't want to be a burden of danger to a family that was shielding okay, and I yeah. knew that I could not train yeah, so I was like right I need to get out before I become yeah. yeah before I become dangerous no, um so decent. I left for that reason and um then so then I moved into this place which I've been in since um so second lockdown was very different mm. at first I was like this is lonely as fuck but uh it's okay like I've got a lot of headspace to think mm. a lot of things through mm-hmm. I'd had a very stressful few years so it was mm. kind of nice to have that mm-hmm. not pressure to do anything and I had a very I'd given myself a very easy job to allow myself to recover from all the shit that I'd um, sort of allowed in and let es- escalate over the last few years right. so it's okay I remember my coach texting me like you okay and I was like yeah it's just really lonely but I kind of like it mm. <laughs> and then and then I was running to Lidl because I used to do my run up here and then I go around the park and then I go to shops so I'd like combine because I hate running so I combine runs with mm. other things to make me do them um I was running to Lidl and I there's a fence if I point straight ahead of me there's a fence and then over the fence there's a gym like an outdoor gym mm-hmm. um, and I was walking past the fence on my way to start my run and I saw a guy shadow boxing I was like that's a Thai boxer oh mm. my god it's a Thai boxer my friends <laughs> yeah and I hadn't yeah. done Muay Thai in like months of first lockdown right and I was like oh my god it's a Thai boxer um but I'm kind of like if you don't know me I'm quite shy I'm really awkward so I was like oh god I really want to go say hi I'm like very always think that I'm a burden to people so I was like oh I really want to go say hi but he might be like who the fuck you go away like that sort of paranoia but I was like do it because if you don't do it think of how many things that wouldn't have happened for you if you hadn't been brave mm, so I was like fine nice. fine fine do it so I went down and I was like hello <laughs> are you a Thai boxer and he was like yes <laughs> and then we obviously got chatting because everyone in Muay Thai is so nice um and they like and then his other mate turned up because they were sparring together they were like outdoor sparring um and they invited me to train with them and I was like thank you oh my god um so the whole of second lockdown was like out of pure luck of where I moved to Mm. me just I think what kept me going through second lockdown was sparring Mm. um let's not beat around the bush and pretend that fighters weren't sparring even though it was illegal like people were sparring all over the place so let's just get that straight not in gyms but outdoors um maybe in gyms who knows maybe the pros I think maybe I don't know um but I got so much good sparring in lockdown mm. too and from the guys I mentioned before were the same group of people um it started off as a really small group so I was like so grateful that they let me in because they're good like mm. they don't have to have this random in here I could mm. have been shit for all they know I've told mm. them this to their face as well I've been like you know what you, I could have been so annoying and you just like let me join you and as a result like you've kept me sane and you're so such nice guys like I'm so grateful and they were always just so nice to me and stuff um like one of them's had like 40 fights in Thailand I think um another's had a few in Thailand um one of them's um I think he's like British champ or Hmm. don't don't know if I should name names or not but I'm sure he wouldn't care but I've got some like really high caliber scarring and I'm really grateful for Mm. it. Um, There was obviously a few people that joined. I think I was the first outsider Mm. and then there was a few noobs that came along that sort of maybe diluted the standard and I apologize if that was me starting it or whatever. Um, (laughs) But they're just chill guys and I know that they often spar on their own and Mm. and I've never like, I haven't sparred within this lockdown and I know they've been training, but I'm just so grateful that they even had me for the time they did. Mm. And I know it's more difficult to train now. Um, Very difficult. Yeah. So for whatever sparring I got on whether or not I'll train with them again, I'm like Mm. super grateful that I got to do Mm. that because they taught me a lot and it was like hard ass sparring as well. So Mm. really 
beneficial like I just love them they're really cool guys mm. um so that was my second lockdown I'm um, mm. working from home um because I'm not yet vetting at this point mm. um so yeah that was basically a summary of that um I think in general how people are handling it this lockdown has been harder without Muay Thai but it's been weird because um because of the weather like first and second lockdown I was entirely motivated yeah to exercise like my whole life I've been an exercise addict so mm. there was no different even when I was living with the living with the family we'd run every morning we do circuits in the evening like it wasn't an issue and it was mm. summer second lockdown running less probably but more sparring mm. um so fine more outdoor gym stuff third lockdown what the hell has happened like I am mm. completely unmotivated I have mm. to force myself out the house to run mm. I've done like two circuits with a kettlebell I'm like not myself it's really weird mm. I don't know if it's I think but part of me I have a theory that I was so upset in the first lockdown without Muay Thai I was so like distraught mm. that it'd been taken away from me and that's like a quite a painful experience to have on a mm. daily so now that it's very difficult to train now I think I'm like I feel like I'm self-protecting I mm. think I'm just not allowing myself to feel that missing it and as a result, I'm mentally like shielding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like repelling Muay Thai. I'm like, don't watch it. I watched it every day in first and second lockdown. Mm, and mm. now for some reason, I'm like, I don't want to. What, what happens? I haven't been like this in four years. Like, this is so weird. But I'm just trying to let it pass. And when the gym's open and stuff, maybe everything happens for a reason, I think. And yeah. maybe this is my body telling me that you need this mental and physical break. So just take it. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I could, think so. I think so. I could also be like completely just allowing my weakness and just giving myself excuses to be weak. I don't know. Well, I don't Um, don't know. I mean, I think, I I just, I think it's really hmm. difficult to get martial arts training in at this time. Um, And hopefully we're, you know, maybe this, this year in the next few months, we're going to see that, that change and things go back to, uh more more kind of normal yeah Yeah, there's um, other stuff that's playing into it as well and like my own like recovery process and things mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. makes it very complicated in my own brain um Mm. yeah i'm just kind of like letting it ride out and there's other things that have taken its place for now and i hope it's Mm. not like for Mm. good and i'm sure i'll become like as obsessed as i was as soon as things go back to normal but it's definitely made space for other stuff so it's made me like a less single-minded person because i was like moito was just it that was everything yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah but I, th- I think that i think that that's you know it, life has got its seasons isn't it and and there's you know and uh, I've, I've had you know many years where it was just like you know it was like only jiu-jitsu or it was only muay thai or it was only this or it was only that and mm-hmm. and i think you know as you get older you know you these life happens to you and it gives you opportunities for you to to bring in different different influences in your life and it and it just helps you put everything in perspective and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that those things aren't valuable but it just yeah. means that that you can appreciate it's like so i had this thing where um when so my my first kid uh is a boy and then we were expecting a second uh second baby and i was like please let it be a boy please let it be a boy for the really? simple reason that although i always wanted a girl um and then he's thinking what's this got to do with anything but it's just like because because i'd kind of like started to raise a boy i was like i kind of know how to do that so it'd like it'd be easier so because it'd be mentally easier for me yeah, yeah. i was just like that's what but you know it's it's uh, but you know that didn't happen and you know i learned how to i, I can literally i can remember you know using detangler spray 
to <laughs> get combing the 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 not because my daughter used to curl her hair. She used to twiddle with her hair at night, and so like she sort of wake up and you know. And I did a lot of the childcare because I worked from home, um, and so there'd be like this like uni uni dread <laughs> oh god i used to have one of those <laughs> and so and i'm like i yeah, don't have so. so i don't i don't have any How experience do I really with so i had to just like systematically create like i'm going to separate these strands and comb them and then that's, that's them and i would You're fold them right. over the ear i said i'd fold oh, them over the ear, like, and then i go right and, and and it's like you know and, and it gave me an appreciation for things that you know i'm not saying i really enjoyed it but it it um uh, it expanded my skill set so i know how yeah. female you know yeah. like to untangle female hair i don't know what that's got to do with anything but. it's it's a challenge don't even mm. i had for i just i feel your pain because i used to have even thicker hair than this mm. um and for years of my life i had to spend hours daily detangling the dread that would form like underneath here um so then I, because it was such a faff, I was like, I'm just going to dredge my hair because it wants really? to dread. So I had dreads for like a year, really? um, but I didn't persevere enough. And I actually realized it was really expensive. So you have to, if you're not able to maintain them yourself, because it's really hard to be, you have to go back every few months to get them like re-interlocked and cost 60 quid each time. And I was a student, I didn't have that money. So I was oh, like, <gasps> and then I was like having a meltdown at the same time. And I was like, I need to control something. So then I just brushed all my dreads out and right. I lost like, two thirds of my hair volume oh my and I was god. like I could see my head like I was bored and I've always had such thick hair I was like oh my god my life is over like I've got no yeah. hair left and it's since grown back to this like medium thickness level it's just so much more manageable hmm. and I've like through that difficulty I've now learnt what to do to make my hair as easy and as nice to manage as possible hmm. but I wouldn't have learned that if I had done the stupid thing hmm. which was brushing them all out and not actually properly researching before I got them dreaded um so I guess that, yeah, I understand the not thing. And also trials and tribulations, right? Like if you do a well, hard thing, you then you learn it. from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I think that that's, that's part of the journey. And, and, and the thing about learning is that sometimes we don't, we're, we're learning, but, you know, we kind of, we're, we're so obsessed with being conscious and being aware. And we think that learning is this super, um, cognitive process and it's not always cognitive you know largely the you know we're communicating i don't know how i'm speaking i don't know why i'm holding my hand like this um i don't know why i'm kind of like uh flicking my fingernail with my other hand you know is it i don't know i'm not going i know what this would be a great time to like do some sort of like nail care you know like and pick i just i'm not i'm not i'm not that together i'm not that together so not not consciously but um, and I know obviously because because of what I do and what I've been doing for the last 12 years it's you know I'm very kind of at home with the with the concept of you know like a subconscious and it is really a concept um, as opposed to it's a there's a real another life human being in there but it's it's a useful it's a useful um, delivery mechanism for therapy and coaching and yeah. stuff like that yeah and have um, you heard the theory that like 85 percent of thoughts are subconscious i don't know how they get to that number but it would make a lot of sense because it explains why we react in certain ways and we're like why am i stressed today like i've nothing to be stressed about why am i so stressed you're like because you're, what about a little whole 85 percent of things that are happening yeah. that you aren't consciously aware of well i think i think it's more like a black box so it's mm -hmm. like your subconscious mind is like your black box and you know then uh your 
like the the way of reading what's on the black box, like whether it's a a screen or 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 a tape recorder. Listen to me, I'm so old, you know, or a uh, or I'll put it put it in modern terms, a CD player. No, I'm joking. Is that I'm even joking. modern now? I know. I'm, Who is the CD players? I'm joking. <laughs> I know that I was being like, right. um, you know, they're they're almost like the stuff that's released to you know that, that we can that we can sort of process and be conscious about um so yeah but but yeah that's um that's definitely that's definitely something that that, that makes a lot of sense to me um yeah listen you've you've kind of you've been a mental explorer um yes. in a few ways really haven't you yes i'd say so and uh and and that that so obviously you know that's uh that's you know learning stuff about yourself like we all do but you've also kind of like done some sort of exploring with with other with other kind of sort of like things like that haven't you mm-hmm. do you want to talk yeah, about that so. is that allowed yeah i think so um but there's so many aspects to that statement um mm. so i'm being deliberately vague yeah um do you mind which one i talk about no i want you to talk about exploration I, I i i want you to tell me the things that you want to tell me mm, okay um well i guess as you are a therapist you'll probably appreciate some therapy chat right yeah absolutely <laughs> um i was telling someone that i was on a podcast with a therapist and they were like oh they asked the best questions that's going to be so I juicy I'm like, let's you talk do. about dogs you know. no, <laughs> that, i mean that is the best question but it's like what dogs mean to you mm, yeah, yeah like therapy chat is great um but um yeah i think i'm a very much like i think what's the word therapy advocate i wish that everyone could have therapy um there's still a big stigma about it i think it's getting less and less but i hope so i i think yeah i I, yeah i'm i get busier and busier as the years go by that's awesome Um, but i think i think it's less and less so and you know some people you know i i i realized that i had to take one for the team financially and and also refer to myself as a life coach even though I hate nearly everyone that um that calls himself that because they all seem to be oh. absolute anyway. That's so interesting. But um why did yeah. you have to do that? Uh because people search for it. So like oh. I'm a life coach. I think they're just scared of therapy. They're scared of real therapy, but yeah. life coach is cool. So, the problem with life coaches, mm, right? Mm. Correct me, you know much more about this. Mm. Very easy to get a life coach qualification. And I think there are a lot of people that go, am, am I right? Yeah, a lot absolutely. of people that go for life coaching qualification i think they're life coaching themselves i think Mm. they have some serious issues and Mm. they often deal with their issues by trying to help other people because they don't want to deal with their own issues first-hand experience of this in several areas so i think it's fucking dangerous that people such as the woman i'm referring to um and others are able to get this life coaching qualification mm. when they are a mess and it, this completely resonated with me in your previous podcast mm. when he was talking about it i was like oh my god i agree even mm. though he has a lot more professional knowledge on it than me but people that are life coaches oh they just sort themselves out mm. they just sort themselves out like it's just no it's that you can't it's like you can't love yourself if you love your others if you don't love yourself you can't help other people adequately if you haven't worked mm. on yourself mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I think, uh, and I know I spoke about this with Andy, but I was fascinated to, I just didn't understand how some people would, would go on, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, yeah. uh, which is actually about a therapist, not about a life coach. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, I couldn't believe that people went on to courses to 
because I thought you'd go on a course to learn the subject matter. Yeah. But in the therapy world, in the personal development, self-development, uh, self-help kind of world, it's it's like this weird kind of weird kind of bubble where reality is sort of suspended, um, and people go, "I'm gonna, I need therapy, so I'm gonna go and learn a therapy technique." Well, that's not gonna just get anything. therapy. Yeah, anyway, but but so so I I remember. Um, uh, there was uh, one of the things I do is IMT integral eye movement mm. therapy, which is if you're going to look watch it, it looks like somebody waving their hands around like this, yeah. and like Heard you know, it. all of a sudden they're they're getting over you know PTSD, trauma, anxiety, so loads of stuff. It's amazing. I need to Fantastic. research this. Honestly, do. I, I, well, we'll we'll do some. We'll, we'll do some. It's it's so easy <laughs> to do, and um, what I like about it is it's so throwaway. It's like it re- it doesn't deserve to work. It doesn't deserve to okay. work, uh, but it's, I mean, I've been doing it for, for, for 12 years and, you know, in, and, you know, I mean, I, I was working in with a, um, a female uh, uh, war veteran who had PTSD and, Amazing. you know, I was using that and, you know, she was like, well, that's life changing then. Wow. So because she'd Amazing. been walking around torturing herself over these memories for the last, you know, 10 years or something. And wow. I really do mean really debilitating and it's like you know so yeah. i ask her a specific set of questions you know and you know guide her eyes through certain movements and all of a sudden she just can't feel about things the same way again i'm just like what? That's, that's, that is crazy and you have first hand like people that go oh that can't work this is first hand experience of it so yeah i don't i don't know the attitude that this can't possibly work if you haven't tried it yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah look at that and like what's the word like kind of spit on it like yeah it's just ignorance isn't it but yeah. but i remember i was so i was running i was i was actually i was hosting andy and i was sort of like i i used to host andy uh in london so he would come and he would teach imt i mean i'm cool. i sort of learned how to obviously learn learn imt 12 years ago you know kind of thing and um and you know i'm sort of like uh qualified to train people and stuff like that and you know sort of uh but uh, we had this, so we were hosting him in hosting, we was hosting Annie Regent's Park or something. And there was this woman and she was a, she was a psychotherapist. So she's like, she's, she's a clinician, you know, and she, she said, um, can we finish? Is it okay if we only have half an hour lunch break? Because my train uh, is at four o'clock and, um, and I, so that, because the, the class was due to finish at 4.30. Okay. So, you know, it's just like, and he was like, oh, you're expecting the whole class to kind of like change their plans just for you and to take mm-hmm. a lunch break. Anyway, so we took a vote and, you know, most people are just easy going and they're like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, you know, does it, does, has anyone got a problem with it? And everyone's like, no, you know, we don't mind. Okay, yeah. we'll only have half an hour lunch break. So we had a half an hour lunch break. She, so we're all back in the room half an hour later. 15 minutes after that she rocks up so she's kind of manipulating oh that's so bad yeah oh. but she was just like, she laughed it off she thought it was i think anything off it and and you know no you know and, no. I, and I know that um you know andy was i think a bit bit ticked off about it and i was like i bet he was because you're like oh, it's kind of like it's, it's no respect etiquette mate yeah so anyway we were doing the exercises and we and, and i remember doing some of the the movements with her 
and uh, she um, she basically threatened to vomit over me, oh, and uh, and yeah. I remember that you know you know I'd spoken to Andy, and I think I've done the course a few times, so it's it's about holding your state, and so when somebody is amplifies the signal, you don't respond to it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like you need to stop because you know, and and what that is is that's almost like a self def, self protection mechanism that uh, like it's like um, that the uh, the issue or whatever doesn't want to be dealt with, so they'll go, oh, I need the bathroom, yeah. or they'll they'll, yeah. they'll go, oh, it's hang on, I, or, or some, sometimes yeah, sometimes crying, you know, will, will be it, and sometimes they're sort of subconscious, sometimes they're conscious, um, but she was like, oh, I, I'm go- I'm going to be sick, and I was like, okay, well, we'll stop. She was, you know, and, and I was like, okay, fine. It's, it's no problem. We'll stop, you know, and we'll just w- wait a second, then we'll continue. And um, uh, anyway, so this woman, I remember sort of thinking, I- I'm going to bloody lose my shit if she vomits over me. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, but this, so, so, so anyway, the, the whole thing is, is that, yeah. yeah, there are people that go into like do life coaching qualifications or, or therapy qualifications. And the thing to remember is that like everyone has got their own little, twisted kind of elements to their personality mm, and definitely. you know but 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 again it's that power relationship isn't it that we're talking about with Electra. like you you kind of have got certain expectations that you expect mm. you expect um like a therapist or you expect a, a lecturer yeah. or expect a life coach to have a certain degree of behavior and how they how they run themselves but Clearly, that isn't the case. You know? Yeah, and I've heard of people having to therapize therapists when they get upset about some reaction. Like, there's mm. not not everyone that goes into a career is made for that career. Oh, absolutely. But not. it's just scary that they can get quite far. Yeah. And there's people that live their whole life as liars. And it's interesting because I just had a conversation about an untherapy related human being with my vet f- friend from vet school who she discovered through some research had basically lied her way into a lot of jobs. Um, like consulting related jobs um so I was just she was outraged just telling me about it I was like yeah like I know people that are just compulsive liars and they lie and they lie and they lie and they build up this like layers of lies so Mm. it becomes difficult to like work out what's lying what's true like and oh my god they're not when he was talking about narcissists mate oh so fascinating yeah and I've done a lot of research on narcissists myself for a specific reason I was like you Mm. are explaining everything I researched like really well um but yeah people are just lies upon lies um but why why are we saying that again so you're very good at going back to the point I'm not no I'm 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 terrible (laughs) so so we we were saying saying about your life coaching yeah why you have to be called that yeah, and, and and you were saying that that you know some people are you know that that are that they're you know that they should have to sort of sort themselves out first. Yeah, before, yeah. And people that just, just but, but, deal but, with themselves, and it's the hardest thing ever. Like I understand, having done it, it's a really hard thing to deal with yourself. Hmm. It's so much easier to deal with other people, but you can't do it properly if you yeah, haven't dealt with yourself you're inside the world you're, you're clouded yeah, yeah you're like it's like having a road like not a rose tinted because that implies good but it's like having a screen of your eyes you can't yeah. see details because yeah. or you can't see things objectively because yeah. you're clouded by your own yeah. emotion um um but, but actually are you like a psychotherapist like what's your therapy background that so um, so mine is um it's so i studied nlp I studied uh-huh. integral eye movement therapy um yeah studied uh to some degree uh provocative therapy um and um which is which is really good and it's it's not like about intimidating anyone it's it's just fantastic um frank farrelly was wow. was the was basically the the guy that came up with that it's amazing um 
um, and and hypnotherapy and stuff like that. So a lot of brief therapy methods, okay, as opposed to classical psychotherapy. Long drawn out, yeah, yeah, analytical, yeah, cool. Um, I don't know why I just wanted to ask that. <laughs> no, it's cool. Um, um, no, no, they're valid. But but, but so so we were talking about um, your your mental explorations. Yeah. Quick, can I ask a quick question yeah. before I get into that? Why did Andy not like tapping? Because isn't IMT something quite similar to that? No, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. Tapping. It was like hand movement type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's. It's. But you're. It's about moving the eyes through a certain set of axis while you're thinking about uh -huh. a certain thing. Because there's and there's tapping a. Is not? No, tapping is about energy fields. So it's oh. about like you know like sort of chakra points and all this kind of okay. stuff. Okay. So it's okay. like like you go like that. You go like that. I think you go like that, go like that. There's, there's these, oh, that's and you, you know, e e even though I was, uh, even though I was raped by a fish, you know, I deeply accept myself. And, and so what he was saying is like, you know, it's like, you're, fish. so by, so by, <laughs> by tapping on areas that are, that are energy points, that is going to nice. make things go okay. better, get, so go, the, get better. But sometimes it's it works. The lack of science behind it that he doesn't like. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 think, I, I, I think it. I think it's. I think it's partially the the claims that are made by people where, you know, you'll get some people that go. I, I mean, I've seen something. I saw something on the the internet, and it was like a guy who's a big big NLP trainer, and he's like, he had a video. We had this one. Yeah. So this is going to stop. This is going to stop people getting COVID nineteen, and there was this massive explosion okay. on on All Facebook right. about this. And, <laughs> You know, it's just like when people do that, they put they put the the work that that other people are trying to do. They just discredit everyone. Yeah, so it takes one it? It, it takes one mm. crappy kind of like experience to sully <laughs> like ten experience. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so it's I a think, common I think, internet, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Widespread like wildfire, but yeah, the reason I asked about the tapping is because I spoke to a therapist recently when I was trying to find another one, and she was like adamant on tapping, um, and she said. The, the technique that she uses that her clients always prefer and like look back on and are most grateful for is the tapping um but interestingly i really didn't like her she made me cry like on the phone when i was talking to her what? um yeah I'll, yeah i have to, to explain some background to explain why i guess um you don't have to i don't want you to feel like you've got to share stuff like that that's personal uh -huh. but they shouldn't feel, be making you cry i don't know no i know right um it's a bad sign isn't it you have to have a good feeling but i never before that i wasn't used to looking for my own therapist because i was on mm. the nhs mm. um, i've like made it's difficult to know what to talk about but i kind of made a pact with myself before that i'd just be like as open as possible with you yeah um, no, that's real. so i, I guess i will that. be because i think a lot of the issues we have with my own personal mental illness and mm. other ones is that they're so there's such a taboo and they're so secretive and like, that's oh, what perpetuates yeah. them in a way so yeah, i'm trying 100%. to um i don't know if you've heard of maya kang but she's like a mental health advocate and okay. my favorite phrase of hers is be the change you want to see yeah, yeah um yeah. Nice. so i don't know it's obviously she's much larger scale than this tiny little podcast with my face on it but how rude it's like a good <laughs> how could you, I'll show you. <laughs> international best-selling model <laughs> no, i'm joking and look at my Kang, she's really cool um yeah. massively inspiring to me and read her book um but anyway um so i kind of try and i feel like that's kind of gone into my brain that phrase because mm. i found that the people that inspired me most are the ones that are most open and mm. at the end of the day like the things that have helped me most as with people 
being brave about their own struggles. So 100%, 100%. you never know what's going to yeah. reach other people. So I just yeah. figured if I'm just honest, like it could help someone. And even if it helps one person, it's amazing. then it's yeah. worth it. Because sure. what we even, I think humans are just scared. They're just scared to, of judgment. They're scared of abandonment. They're scared of loss. But mm. most of the time it's just fear and fear is not real. And if you're actually honest about yourself, mm. you'll probably, you probably get more positive feedback from people that are like mm. you than you'll get judgment. Um, and if you get judgment, then they're not the right people for you anyway. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. So yeah. Um, having said that, I could explain my therapy background if that helps. It's up to me. Okay. So lovely. No, you you talk whatever you want. The, the whole okay. thing is it's a conversation. But, but I mean, I think okay, one thing that I would say is like, you yeah. know, before I go and um, I don't think therapists should be making people cry. Uh, certainly, no. you know, on no. them. But then, if you know, I've had a whole a whole massive percentage of my of the clients that i've ever seen whether it's for therapy or for for any kind of coaching you know mm-hmm. will, will tear i don't it's not something i will go out of my way for them to happen it's not like 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 a like a waypoint like well if they didn't cry then the work isn't deep enough i don't i think that's oh yeah, yeah yeah but i mean I, f- I get that it depends on the client depends on the situation right yeah. but if you're in a 15 minute consultation to see if you're compatible and you're crying then i think that's wrong unless you're maybe feeling really you know if you're feeling super super sensitive that day but just like you're not supposed to be doing the work over the phone you're supposed to be unless you were um i thought if it's just a consultation it should be like okay right say a bit about you say a bit about me it's a bad sign yeah it's a bad sign because it means you're just not compatible on a very basic level um but i mean yeah it's been a journey because the first time i had a therapy on nhs at first and it basically was because um it tied into my obsession with Muay Thai I think um for people that end up being interested in what I'm talking about would definitely recommend listening to the podcast that Lena was on um with what's his name again oh god um mood swings um, okay. that guy he's got a lot of podcast episodes and I just yesterday listened to Lena's um okay. she's a friend of mine and I was like this is awesome mm. okay like because she's a um what's it called sorry sports psych um okay and she was like quite instrumental to my own recovery probably more than she realizes but mm-hmm. she's very open and she's always been very open about her own struggles within Muay Thai and how they're related and stuff um so super admire her and that podcast is great mm-hmm. um recommend any fighters watch it um so I think as rewinding a bit I was like because I was quite miserable at uni and like in my personal life I think I I like so I broke up with my ex for three and a half years and he was my kind of grounding point I think humans need grounding points that was what I'd made my grounding point because I didn't feel like I had it in my family no, mm. no fault there and it's just how things are um so I'd always tried to find it elsewhere um and I got kind of adopted into his family so when I like adopted you know um his mum like loved me so when I broke up with him I didn't really know what to do with myself so it led me to kind of making quite a lot of bad decision I had to um really learn like how to stick up for myself because I hadn't had to learn that as an adult yet because mm. I'd had him as like a shield for three years um so I ended up like getting in with sort of the wrong type of people that just treat you like shit especially guys and very egotistical but also kind of like nice people but when it comes to actually respecting women they can't um that right. sort of thing um so that kind of messed me up a bit and also I thought I think the degree was really intense I didn't feel like I had a lot of my friends had moved on because I'd done a year of research out of choice 
to add a degree to my name and they'd moved on and graduate and were a year above me so were graduating before me um and so that means that I didn't actually have any friends in my year really um right. or very few um and it was very isolating where I was living was in Potter's Bar I don't know if you've heard of it but it's yeah. in the butt ass end of oh, do you know do you like it before I insult it no <laughs> it's just dead it's just dead isn't it it's like nothing to do so the only thing that I really had there was the gym and the Muay Thai um and I was living in like a quite a toxic household with a potential psychopath I mean I'm not good at diagnosing things but he was horrendous human being Mm. and I I think I only hate one person in the world and it's him um and people have messed with me like on levels and I don't hate them but I hate him because he was the reason I put my cat down long story short but he's a Mm. very manipulative individual um so I had that sort of environment and I didn't feel like I fit in at uni because my the team I was in they were all extremely farm oriented um they're nice people on their own you know um but they grew up on dairy farms had a beef herd um would go to their boyfriend's farm on the weekend to herd sheep and stuff so I'd had couldn't relate to them and then mm. you spend your whole two years with this group of people that you can't relate to and it makes you feel very isolated and yeah. because I was so obsessed and I was fighting at the time so I was like on farm placement I would run at like 5am in this hot like in the middle of nowhere in the fog just to try and cut like down to the weight I should be at um for in like I had it was like not a cup the week before it was like in a month's time you have a fight you need to cut a few kilos like it was yeah what should have been sensible but it was just hard in the situation that I was in in the middle of nowhere kind of with no mates around away from my gym which was very isolated yeah so I was just really miserable um and just trying to get over the things that I'd allowed in my life and like the people that I allowed in my life that upset me and I just felt very sort of on my own so I just channeled everything into Muay Thai um and it brought out a lot of and it's not Muay Thai's fault and it's absolutely no one's fault but it catalyzed like when I started Muay Thai it really catalyzed um eating disorders in me because right. I think I'd had that tendency when I was my ex and I was that's when my carb phobia started like for three years I kind of tried to avoid carbs because that's what right. he did um yeah okay. very sensible um but I just grew this fear of foods and I'd also been like taught it from a young age and okay. many aspects which I think the people that taught it to me wouldn't be aware enough to be aware that they did that but Mm. they did um and I've learned that a lot through therapy that I need to stop like completely blaming myself for everything Mm. and attribute it to things that happened to me um and I'm not saying like I know people are worse off than me but it's not really that is it's how you react to certain things so I'm not trying to be an ungrateful person and that's one of my paranoias that I am but I'm really trying not to be Um, you don't strike me as that (laughs) hopefully not (laughs) I'm glad um but um yeah so I think because the Muay Thai was making me so intense and I was putting all my energy into that I like and I was already prone to uh having a really bad relationship with food and it's a sort of sport that's it's very normalized yeah. um oh, and yeah, you can't it's very hard to tell the difference between someone that's cutting weight for a fight and someone that's self-sabotaging um and yeah. from a coach's point of view you have to be very very experienced in that specific area to mm. know the difference and mm. I would never expect a coach to be able to see that so I think some people might be like, oh, why didn't your coaches see this? Like they couldn't have. No. People with eating disorders are so secretive. Like we're masters of disguise. Mm. Um, there's no way that they could have known. Um, mm. I'm grateful for everything they gave me. So it's very much you're in your own head. You're very much self-sabotaging yourself and you keep it from everyone. Mm. So I was doing that for several years. Um, I was like a bulimic in denial, I think. Right. Um, and 
I eventually just knew that I was just like losing my shit I think I think one of the catalyst points was I was in the car park for the hospital um that I was working at obviously not like a human hospital but the animal hospital and I had I think an evening shift where you go in and walk the dogs and let them shit and then put them back so you even you spend your whole day there and then you have to go back in the evenings to do things Mm. that people with paid jobs should do um I don't agree with it but it's just how being a vet student works and I was sitting in the car park and just like in my car and I was just like crying my eyes out like don't want to go in there don't want to go in there can't do it and oh I think it's just so much going on in your head at that point. I was like, I'm really, really broken. And I like, don't really don't know what I'm going to do about it. And, and so I eventually told my training partner, he's like my most massive inspiration probably in my life. Um, one, the one from my, both my female training partners are, to be honest, mm-hmm. they're like incredible women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met my training partner from Diablo before I met my other training partner. Mm-hmm. So this is the one I confided in and she just knows everything. So she was like, yeah, I know, but you had to tell me yourself. Mm. I can have you have to meet people where they're at and you weren't mm. ready for that yet absolutely so, yeah so she's so wise um so she basically pointed me towards the self-referral service um and um so then I did that it's in Hertfordshire like HP mm. or I can't remember what it's called but on the NHS mm. so they made me see a psych who was like oh my god this psych I couldn't even stand her honestly I didn't know why at the time but she made me like feel so like physically unwell like she was so grating she's so clinical and patronizing and just I had never had any experience of any therapy environments and the first person I saw was a psychiatrist mm. um and it was horrendous she just right. instantly was like antidepressants but for various reasons yeah. yeah but I'm like was quite scared of them and mm. didn't very resistant to the idea mm. of them for quite mm. a lot of reasons um mm. whether they're right I don't not saying that they're right reasons or whether I yeah maybe things would have been very different if I just accepted to go on them but I didn't mm. but what for better or for worse um and I just asked if I could try therapy first and interestingly I spoke to my new therapist I found recently yesterday about this and she said mm. you know the reason why you she made you feel like that is probably because she felt like that uh, and you just pick up on everyone's emotions so you felt awkward because she felt awkward because she didn't know how to deal with you mm. she said a lot of psychiatrists go into the field and they don't know how to deal with a their own emotion or b other mm. people's emotions she said she's seen a lot of psychiatrists have breakdowns um because they're they know medical stuff but they don't understand people mm. so mm. Yeah, yeah they sure. can't yeah. handle it because they see a yeah. lot of patients with mental illness and they don't know how to deal with it so yeah. i think maybe she fell into that category it like took a lot of onus off me that she was like that's not your fault i was like oh Okay, yeah. maybe it was her, not me. Yeah. Like, well, I, th- I, I think there's there's something to be said for, um, and you know, it's definitely almost like like a frame that I'll I'll certainly use with clients is to is to take as much responsibility as they can for for their own life. But there are definitely factors that fall outside the scope of that, and yeah. it would be stupid to say, you know, if if somebody had experienced some sort of abuse, you know that. Oh, it was because I, I was wearing my red shorts or something like that, you know, where that's why it happened or was, because, you know, yeah, so, so it's about responsibility and then there's responsibility. Yeah. There's about responsibility yeah. and there's, there's about, you know, that there's things that you actually, that, that, that are inflicted upon you. And, and I think mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's good. It's healthy to take as much responsibility as you yeah. can and is, as, as, and is appropriate, but then know that there are other things that, you know that we don't control the world and there are other external factors that that can affect us and um yeah and so so yeah so we absolutely yeah, we, we shouldn't blame ourselves for, yeah. for that but i was very much on the spectrum of everything's my fault um so maybe some other people would be in denial of their 
fault so I'm like the op- I was the opposite so I had to kind of mm. unlearn being so mean to myself because yeah. it was like destroying me kind of um mm. there's loads of reasons why you become like that and I've learned some of them as well so it's mm. it's, it's very cause and effect it's really fascinating mm. um but I'm so sure I ended up going for CBT didn't take the meds that she wanted me to take mainly I didn't feel like support and I feel like if you're gonna take antidepressants that you're already scared of you have to feel like you have some sort of support and I hated mm. the psych like honestly mm. I thought she was horrible um <laughs> and I didn't really have a regular GP like that service was mm. so like over run with too many people that they didn't yeah. really have time for you anyway so I just I don't know I did like a heart scan for them and I just didn't do the bloods in the end because I was like I don't want to take these so I didn't mm. um but I did CBT and CBT another thing I could relate to from what Lena, Lena was saying in her podcast um the other day was that CBT is very much action it's like do this mm. and don't mm. do this um mm. it's very very surface level Mm-hmm. and it didn't work it just didn't work like mm-hmm. I learned quite a lot of about mindfulness that I didn't know and mm-hmm. but this therapist she was just out of her depth she did not know how mm-hmm. to deal with me um there mm-hmm. was just way too much going on and she was like how about you just mm-hmm. like eat everything and don't worry and I'm like but I can't compete if I'm heavy so mm-hmm. I know that I'm annoying you and I feel like I'm really pissing you off even though I wasn't because mm. it's her job but mm. this is what my brain says it goes oh my god you're such a burden why are you like taking advantage of this therapist and not listening to her when you're lucky enough to get her and other people don't get her mm. and blah 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 um but I just couldn't do both like it was impossible to take up CBT methods when you're trying to keep your weight down um so you can't really you can't I mean CBT certainly got its, it's certainly got its place but yeah. To think that you can cognate your way out of everything is just mm. ridiculous. And I just, I could see this as well. I was like, yes, I know that if I completely gave up fighting, which is the only thing keeping me going right now, so yeah. that's not happening, then I'd be able to get over this eating disorder because what I've had for years mm. um, and actually stop hating my body and stop mm. putting so much emphasis on how I look and feeling like I have no other value if I'm not a certain weight, which has been perpetuated by the sport I'm in. Um, mm then yeah sure I'd be able to get over it but I can't do that right now so we need to like take this from a different angle we need to like address why I'm feeling like this in the first place mm. but she couldn't do that because she was only trained in CBT mm. and she could also see like it was this weird dynamic where I was like this absolute wreck but I was also quite aware of what was going on mm. I would like cry most sessions because she'd try and get to the bottom of like why why I let people mentally Mm. use me and abuse mm. me and stuff and mm. i was like i don't know i can't see the patterns and i just mm. made this crying mess of like mm. why does this keep happening to me yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so i can like you needed to get to the root of that and she could not do it so basically she realized this and from one week to the next she was like discharged she was like i can't deal with you but in the nicest way oh, she was like yeah. i just want it's not your fault but this isn't right for you and i don't mm. want you to lose faith in therapy so i'm not going to therapize you anymore yeah And I got it, but at the same time, I was like, everyone has abandoned me. I feel I have this complex that I'm abandoned by people for various valid reasons. Um, And now our professional's done it also. So it was kind of like a very low point. And then what she was supposed to do, which I found out later, she was supposed to like transfer me to someone else, but she didn't because she didn't understand the system. So she just, because she was quite new to that wherever nhs area whatever that's just terrifying they didn't tell me that i still had a psychiatrist i thought they'd all just like ditch me and i was there like in this ocean like fuck 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 i've got all this stuff that they've just told mm. me about myself and like unravel this shit but they haven't taught me how to deal with it what yeah, i'm yeah, gonna yeah. do that's, so obviously i just got yeah, worse yeah and like was like self-harming and like horrendous 
relationship with food like I wouldn't eat mm. for three days and then oh, like gosh. then obviously my body would rebound so like it was just a complete mess I lost complete mm. track of any like being able to listen to myself because I just mm. hated everything <laughs> and then eventually I got this random call from the psych like hello mm. I just wanted to catch up and I'm like are you sorry are you still my doctor like what's going on here um <laughs> apparently she is still my doctor and so I was like this is not cool and I ended up just talking to my training partner about it and then she agreed that it was like ridiculously neglectful mm. and then they I organized a meeting between her and the head of the service to be right. like you can't treat your patients like this what are you going to do about it because mm. like I'm not okay you can't you could this could have gone a lot worse because mm. you're dealing with people that are very vulnerable and like in a very bad state you can't be half treating them and leaving them no that's okay. you're um, better off not doing anything probably yeah, but, no, um, but I'm not, I'm not yeah. started I think it's actually genuinely quite dangerous because mm. there were quite a few times where I was in such a state in my brain that I remember having an argument with my brother because I was living really far away from Diablo at this mm. point um because it's like north London and my parents mm. house is south London so mm. when I was back when I was living there mm. had an argument with him because I needed to take the car to training and he's like you don't actually need to take it and I was like I do because I can't take the tube because I'm gonna jump mm. like it's too tempting but I didn't really? tell him that obviously yeah but I was just like I just can't trust myself so just let me drive um, yeah, yeah. so I kind of got to that point and that's you shouldn't be leaving patients like that no but, uh, telling you like I told her I had suicidal thoughts and she just still like left me there right. mm. I don't know it's yeah. bad um there's many I'm grateful for the NHS but also they're so overrun that things yeah. like this happen it's um, difficult. yeah but then it, because of that because of that meeting I engineered they then gave me this other therapist I think she had like a ridiculous waiting list because she's a senior consulting blah blah mm. blah psychi- psychologist mm-hmm. but she does CAT which I'd never heard of so cognitive analytic therapy so I went to psychotherapy from behavioral therapy okay completely different mm. didn't even address food really because it's mm. never about the food anyway mm. it's about underlying things which is why CBT didn't work I don't know if anyone else has had CAT if anyone listens to this and they've had CAT mm. like can I just contact one of us? Because I've never met a single other person that's had it. Oh, really? And, no, yeah, have you? No, I haven't heard of it. I don't think you had when I told you about it. Um, it's really weird. I think it was made for the NHS. So it's like this specific type of um, cog- uh, uh, what psychotherapy that's specifically NHS designed. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, I'm sure there are very other similar ones. It's like going back into your child and like, why do you feel this way? Where do your issues come from? So like what CBT scratches the surface this like goes back to your like mum's mum's childhood and like <laughs> it's like so heavy <laughs> and it's really hard to deal well, with it's whether it's effective or not you know yeah that's I the think thing. it was I think it really was I just hmm. it's just a shame that I didn't get on with the therapist because she told me a lot of very useful things but she was very difficult like she was so German and so I, like and when I say that it not in a so racist German. way but so harsh like yes. very bad bedside manner and right. I think I kind of needed some softness at that point in my life. But also right. she kind of like whacked some sense into me, I guess, in some ways. Mm. Um, there's someone in the park, like walking down the path, doing teeps in Maybe. a very odd way without their arms. Just this like, is the bit where you where you run and say, <laughs> hey, hi. Oh, bizarre. Is that Muay Thai you're doing? strange. No, it's not because he's not, he's like lifting his foot up. He doesn't do that kick. He's like, yeah. Oh, he's just swinging <laughs> really his legs. weird. Yeah, it's really Maybe he, oh, no, that's the, uh, kick. back kick. The, um, oh, oh really? Maybe it was an accident he was trying to, yeah, now he's doing some like Taekwondo shit. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. 
sorry, I just had to share that because it's hilarious what you no, see that's out this window. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if anyone has had CO2, tell me because I'd love to know. Hmm. Um, uh, it was deep and it's just really hard. I think that's it was just too much to deal with. Um, it kind of makes you worse before it gets better. The analogy hmm. she used was it's like you have this pond and to get to this like shit in the pond, so the pond's kind of dirty, but you have to hmm. get the shitty things out of the pond. To do that, you have to rummage around in the dirt in the bottom of the pond, pick out okay. all the shit and get rid of it but okay. while you do that the water's going to become even more muddy so you're like fuck i'm drowning okay. that's what it felt like okay. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all yeah no yeah it does make sense and, and and again look you know i mean i um you know i think that uh i i've got friends that have that have done counseling and uh you know that have been through counseling you know as as a client and they've got a lot out of it and um but there are elements of the other counseling model that i i don't think are are useful and mm. um but it depends on the scenario and it depends on the person because not everyone is going to like my kind of work and i'm okay with that um you know i i need to work with people that and that's part of the consultation process is uh-huh. finding people that that, that are gonna that are gonna mesh with you and that are gonna get something yeah. oh you know it's like yeah if you've got a lexus and you take your your car to a smart car garage sorry. <laughs> smart car out of all I'm the ones you could have thought of. <laughs> i know so pathetic so pathetic right? i'm so so unmanly um that um that um you know it's like well you're not gonna get the best kind no. of, you know it's yeah okay this they're all cars but or you know um so so it's like horses for courses it's about yeah. how it affects you you know yeah. it can be difficult the processes can be difficult to go through that's that's for sure yeah. um and and i think one of the one of the big takeaways that, that you've clearly understood is that actually it takes it takes graft and it takes work and it yeah. takes consistency to, yeah. To, yeah. to 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 get to where you want to be and that yeah. could be going from uh, bad to normal or normal to good mm. um yeah but, it's a long process but yeah it, it, it can be but, but but you know and there are some some people you know it's just like martial arts some people like taekwondo and you and i might think mm. but you know there are some really good taekwondo like the original you know like old school taekwondo is is legit it's fantastic mm. but then you know it's watered down and and you know some people you know used to sort of like snigger about people doing judo like if if you've ever been thrown by somebody that knows judo it's it's horrible i I got thrown (laughs) by a guy once uh i was doing some extra training in judo and he threw me and i and i remember thinking (laughs) i was dead (laughs) he threw me my my (laughs) i mean i'm a big lump you know my my (laughs) is it the thorax you know the rib cage is that the thorax yeah you know it was i just like the whole thing sort of went you know flexed god and i was just thinking i think i think i I might be going into the into the nether realm now yeah dying (laughs) you know because it's just like such a map i mean it's like if you threw somebody using judo on the ground it would mess them up it would mess them up so badly but so but anyway so it's horses for courses yeah it is and unfortunately on the nhs you don't get to choose a therapist um so it can be probably a barrier to how much you can progress or improve Mm. because you don't trust this person um and it's Mm. also very difficult to get someone that understands competitive 
sports um, mm. and the mm. mindset, the mm. psycho- sports psychology mindset, mm. because they have a very fixed way of fixing eating disorders, which is just <laughs> eat everything and don't be scared of anything. And it's like, yeah. very, that's very like, like wrong. That's I'm not sort explaining of, it, that well. It's, it's rigid yeah. in, in, in its own way. I mean, yeah, it theoretically, it's very it. freeing, but it's like, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but if you've got this other this yeah. other element component to your life that that requires you to manage your weight, it's about, yeah. you know, is that it's like a Venn diagram. It's like there's no overlap there. Yeah, and there needs to be that, that overlap. Where, yeah, it does, you know, but it's like an impossible Venn diagram, really, because you can't fully recover from it. Mm. Like I've made the most progress and actually mm. recovering from it since mm. being forced to not do Muay Thai by COVID. Mm. So. Mm. And then I'm actually scared of what's going to happen when I go back to it. Cause I'm like, mm. one, I'm too heavy to fight and you have to put on weight to be able to restore your brain chemistry mm. to be normal again and to understand how to eat. Mm. Cause I worked with a nutritionist as well. And mm. she had to like, I did know what normal eating was, but I can tell what my hug and signals were anymore. Mm. Cause I'd go from like eating what, when I cut for the UKMF open fight I mm. was on like 800 calories a day exercise mm. twice a day on placement like that messes with you mm. um and I, I put that on myself that was me deciding that I wanted to take that fight because otherwise I couldn't fight so mm. I was like I'd rather cut three kilos mm. and then not fight and that was entirely my choice and no mm. one forced me into that um but like when you're that obsessed with the sport, you'll do it. And yeah, when you don't sure. respect yourself, like I didn't really, yeah. you'll also do that. Um, but then your body stops being able to do the cuts anymore because it rebounds. Yeah. So my fight where it just went up yeah. is around all the messing I was doing. My body was retaliating and not allowing me mm. to go down to that. Like I was shredded and I really miss looking like that, but mm. I don't know. Like, is it, can I get to that weight again? Mm. Healthily? I don't know. Like I, I don't know because I haven't tried it healthily. Um, but well, I, th- a- I think it's it's just a ma- it's just a case of exploring and trying yeah, different things and, and allowing and, yourself time. I think. Yeah, and and something I say to people is is that look, treat yourself like a project, like like a sandbox. That it's not like because we're all looking for, you know, like uh, the grand universal theory. You know, Andy talks about this. I know that you know when you mm-hmm. do it, it's like people are looking for the answer. Mm-hmm. There are a million answers. Yes, you just so have to find an answer, an answer that works for you in yeah. that particular context, in that particular time frame. And it yeah. might not always be the answer, but it, like, but it, mm. if it's the answer in that in that particular time, and it's the way, and it, and it's it's a way of thinking that you're, it's more of an attitude where you're like, well, I'm going to try this, and if it doesn't work, then yeah. I learned that that's not the way to do it, and I can try something else. Yeah, I mean, it's when you try and I think I had this plan that I just wanted I like couldn't exist without fighting like it had become my modus operandi so I was Mm. so scared that anything I did would stop me from Mm. doing that Mm. and it's kind of you might think it sounds disproportionate because like I'm not pro or anything so you might be like why are you so obsessed with it but when you have yeah when you've made that your life and you are lacking in other areas of your Mm. life and Mm. you've substituted those lacks Mm. with Muay Thai Mm. it was like a huge deal for me so I was like resistant to a lot of the areas of treatment because I was like I can't not fight like I just Mm. don't I put so much of my life into this Mm. I've no one I don't think I know anyone that's made such efforts outside mm. of the situations they're dealt with to still train. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. 
like normal vet students don't keep up with hobbies right? mm, <laughs> um mm-hmm. and they don't have lifestyles like I do I just it, I couldn't give it up because I'd put mm. so much into it like it mm. just seemed like I can't do that so I'm just gonna have to not fully mm. recover and try and deal with the other things that are making me feel like that and just accept that I'm gonna have a messed up relationship with food for a while as long as I keep doing this sport and mm. I did in gymnastics too because they they always told us randomly that we were really fat for no reason really so yeah like oh we had a senior the senior coach I mentioned she just randomly weighed us we didn't matter what we weighed we were kids it didn't matter um mm. especially because we were doing the lifting and she'd randomly just put us on the scale and go, you put on a lot of weight she didn't even remember what we weighed she'd be like you need to just eat rye vitra and bananas oh because my God. to make your stuff lighter that's so bad <laughs> so bad isn't it it's awful like cultivating that mindset but it's a mindset that's in a lot of competitive weight dependent yeah. sports even if it's not weight dependent sometimes like runners i think thin bodies are praised in running i know yeah. my i know i have a friend that suffered from really bad anorexia and she's a really good runner and that really affected her because like the the ideal like runner shape is really skinny and if you have a mm. lot of muscle then you just feel inadequate mm. um so there's a lot of onus on what you what you look like and how heavy you are and you just identify yourself by this number and then it perpetuates mm. loads of things um just it's really difficult to navigate but there's a the, lot of stuff you can deal with around it too the, there's um the good thing about being big when you're running is when you're down you're running downhill you don't have to pick up some momentum but the only <laughs> trouble is i have to when I, I do my long run on a sunday and um i have to really start huffing and puffing and making noise that that are basically telling people that are in front of me you need to get out of my way because <laughs> i literally cannot stop and if i go i'm taking all of you lot with me and i've said that to people i said yeah i've said i've said i said i've said that i said i said uh you know i said like you know if i go i i'm gonna end up taking you with me so you need to get out of my way i had this thing where i went skiing and you know yeah. like i've only been skiing once and you know you've got the snow plow so you're going like that and that's like how you stop Wow. Yeah, so I was doing the snowplow, but I built up so much momentum. I'm such a lump, and like, and like even the snowplow was like, like the, the edges of the skis were starting to It's a very inefficient way to stop in skiing, you know. Very snowplows. Well, that's what they teach children because they're light and they can stop with snowplow. When you're a heavy ass adult, you need I was to about like, forty. Turn your so, skis. Um, you turn your skis and stop sideways, but it's really hard to learn that. But so I'm like snowplowing down this mountain in the Dolomites, and I'm like, and I'm like, my thighs are like quivering and i'm like really trying to you know it's like they're they're turning red on the sides and it's like and i can see like i'm heading towards like a children's class that's and i'm like get out of the way and then i like stack (laughs) myself into like a big lump of snow but anyway but but yeah so yeah no it's 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 weird isn't it you know running is a and i I know that um who was telling me someone was telling me that that um that climbers are like obsessed with like they're obsessed with not walking anywhere or or, or not uh, not oh, doing anything. They don't want to get heavy legs. They don't. No, they don't want to. Possibly. So they don't want to build muscle or something like that. They want to. St- well, on their legs, it. yeah, because that makes it so much harder to climb. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Because um, they're like lifting all their body weight, and there's no weight in their legs, but they've got these intense, like stacked arms. Yeah. Functional. Yeah. 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 That makes yeah. sense. But imagine yeah. how much that must mess with you, though, if you're naturally heavy legs like i am like i've yeah. always had this like thunder ass thighs that's me even when i was like 
pretty much 10 however many percent body flat like when mm. you could literally see my abs under my clothes mm. when i was 60 mm. um i still had chunky legs and that mm. some people are just built with chunky legs i can't get skinny mm. legs i think it's from being a gymnast mm. that means you've got a good, good base, like, yeah, be awesome. i feel for yeah. them yeah yeah so so, um, so so yeah so you were you were you were talking about your explorations and stuff like that um and you know that, that you you try to different things and you'd explore different things like do you want to talk about that or you don't um, have to i would really like to talk about it um yeah. i'll talk about this podcast which i've learned a lot about and it ties into a lot of the therapy aspect yeah. of what we've been talking about um because in america um america. they have well you you mentioned pt you mentioned ptsd mm -hmm. um they actually treat PTSD with trials in America with MDMA. I found mm. that so interesting because um, I know a few people with um, PTSD. So I've seen like secondhand, I guess, but it's still quite mm. powering to hear about it. The immense effect it has on your life. Um, mm. So um, I don't know, I found this podcast by chance and it turns out that a lot of substances that are here illegal are there used to put you in a sort of a state of mind where mm. you can be more receptive of certain therapies so they have psychedelic assisted psychotherapy and it's super interesting of all these yeah. trials for mdma and it's cured veterans of like 10 plus years ptsd trauma Amazing. yeah it's incredible have you heard have you heard about the mdma stuff? I've, 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 yeah I've, I've seen uh madman so so uh yes i've heard um i heard about some some initial trials and also saw um oh, i don't know what the guy's name was on joe rogan and they were they've started to do um studies with dmt and stuff like that yeah yeah, they, yeah you know they're trying to they're trying to map the dmt world the yeah. dmt realm they've called it I thought, how, oh how do you God. map that i know it's, <laughs> I think it's fascinating uh, ridiculous though. But, but 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 it sounds awesome <laughs> at the same time yeah um, um and do you know that ketamine is legal there for psychedelic assisted psychotherapy i didn't i didn't know that yeah so they treat i think it's depression patients with ketamine assisted therapy i'm um, just learning in a scientific context about all of this and it's just yeah. so interesting mm. um isn't that, that's then, for horses isn't it ket Oh, that people think that but it's also for cats and dogs what, <laughs> mainly what, cats i think is it, is it, is uh, it? oh this is where i should i should know better because mm. of being a vet student but it's definitely a, uh, paralysis okay. and i think it stops you feeling as much but it works different animals and humans so i'm pretty sure right. it's part of an anesthetic protocol that you can use for dogs okay. i think dogs but definitely cats okay. um but it comes to sometimes makes them go really crazy. I think um, yeah. I need to revise my anesthesia, but it's like um paralysis related mm. and definitely nerve mm. related. So you can't feel as much, I think, mm. rather than actually putting you to sleep. I think okay. probably also an element of tranquilizer in there, but don't quote me. Um, but yeah, different in humans, I think. Um, mm. But they, so kind of sometimes I wish I lived in America because I would love to try that stuff. And mm. I've learned so much about it. Um, in um the podcast um and they like and how sort of things like ayahuasca ceremonies yeah. and you can legally go to other countries and do that so i'm 100 percent doing that yeah um, really at some point because that's that's not an illegal thing to do if you do it yeah. in another country it's yeah. like if you go to amsterdam and you do shrooms that's legal so yeah because you're in, it's, it's relative to the country you're in yeah absolutely um, yeah no, for and sure. yeah and i'm immensely so i'm not afraid to say that and i'm immensely a believer in the potential therapeutic effects of substances mm. like that mm. um and i think it's a huge shame that they're criminalized and they're probably criminalized for the wrong reasons mm. um especially in the history of them i think they were 
they were started to treat mental health conditions and mm. it was, i can't remember the, the do you remember the nationality of the couple that had the lab that was shut down um it might yeah. have been oh not dutch oh i should know i should know I've, i can't remember i've done like quite a lot of research in quite a short amount of time so i've forgotten um but the reason they were originally developed was to help people with mental health conditions, but they went right. underground, like they were adopted by the rave scene in America. So then it started this war on drugs where they banned them all. Um, right. But it's a huge shame because it stopped a lot of research from happening mm. that could have helped as the PTSD trials are now helping so many veterans mm. that we like, halted that because they went into the underground scene, which kind of happens mm. to all substances anyway. And I just sometimes think if alcohol is legal, why aren't other things legal yeah. and it's and there's a lot to it and it's not always logical really stuff yeah huh alcohol can make you do yeah, some exactly. really awful things you know you kill people a lot easier than a lot of other things can um yeah it's like how is it's a lot harder to die from overdosing say marijuana which i'm mm. not a personal fan of but mm. um than it is to die of alcohol poisoning it's much easier mm. and mm. it happens a lot more um so a lot of things are political and they're not logical really mm. um but yeah fascinated by that sort of stuff and interestingly because it's just an area of interest of mine like how it works and how mm. these things affect the brain how they help people people um where they're used for trials and otherwise um the therapist i've got now i spent a lot of time a lot of time trying to find her mm. um because it was difficult looking for one the one i said that made me cry was another one that i talked to had a preliminary chat with mm. um and she was so like oh so grating mate she just mm. like talked at me and like didn't even ask many questions which you right. don't you can't know if you're compatible with your patient if you don't ask questions yeah it's an exchange um, yeah very bizarre i was like this is what i do this is what i do and i was like mm, okay um and so she asked me a few questions having said that but her initial like immediate was yeah you can't do martial arts like you need to stop competing in a way dependent sport and i was like oh, i know but like this isn't helping what i'm trying to say is that i could be working on a lot of other things there's a lot of issues with like paranoia and my like deep set abandonment issues and stuff that i wouldn't have believed before i had therapy that i could possibly have but apparently yeah. i do anyway and there's a lot of things i could be dealing with and i need to, to be able to talk through with a professional that right. doesn't involve muay thai right now because there's no muay thai going on so i can work on all these other things yeah, yeah, yeah. now that i have this insurance to do it with but she was like nope very black and white um mm. whereas the one i've got now i've had one session with her and she's amazing mm. she's like she's trained in eating disorders in competitive sports in depression in um and also has like a, an interest in psychedelics and she's done a mm. lot of training on them there's a lot of training that goes on you can't legally um in this country do psychedelic assisted psychotherapy it's highly mm. legal and no one does it mm. um also in america other than with ketamine but um you can still educate yourself and mm. you can be of help to people who have had psychedelic experiences for example in another country say someone has gone to peru to do, to do ayahuasca um, and has come back and needs to process it there are therapists in this country who are known to have knowledge in that area so people will come to them specifically for integration work after right. their experiences yeah yeah um, so it's fascinating so even though stuff isn't legal here they can still help people that have had experiences there elsewhere yeah that, that's, that's yeah but because it's such an area of interest of mine and how like even just scientifically, if nothing else, um, mm. I was I just like out of curiosity. In fact, I asked on because of the the um, psychedelic psychotherapy podcast, which is fascinating. And it, they have so many psychotherapists from America mm. on it. Um, they have a Facebook group just so people can talk about it. And it's mainly aimed at professionals, not at people like me. But. I'm just like a nerd. So <laughs> joined in um, and they have a Facebook group. So I just out of interest asked, I was like, I know it's 
not legal here and stuff, but does anyone know of any practitioners in the UK that understands? Mm. Because what it is, it's a headspace. Um, mm. Even if it's not really a done thing here and we have very limited mm. trials and stuff, mm. when you research and when you understand, you think in a different way. Mm. Um, and it's very hard to explain that. That sounds so airy-fairy, but like <laughs> when you know, you know, and people will know, understand what yeah. I mean. But um, they, so I just asked, anyone know anyone in the UK that understands yeah. this sort of thing um that can relate um because we can't do it people train like what well, how does it work um and they sent me this list like list list of Crazy. like so many people i was like oh my god and i managed to find one that like understood that kind of mindset but also has the experience i need in other areas yeah fantastic. and she's so cool and like i had a 15 minute chat with her as like a one of the free ones that they do to test yeah yeah, yeah. you're compatible and i was like yeah. oh, i want you now oh wow <laughs> like i've never Brilliant. been oh, excited really by a therapist yeah. before i've always been like oh my god they make me so uncomfortable like yeah i know i need to do this work but it's really hard yeah. and i like left that call like buzzing i was like oh my god i really love oh, her really she's good. amazing yeah. and we had our first session like the day after she said you're really refreshing you like said sorry if i'm too keen she goes no you're like so refreshing and normally people are so reluctant to work because yeah. yeah. they know they have to but they're reluctant i was like no i've been through this shit before <laughs> you know but like i know a good therapist now because i've had ones that don't gel with me yeah um, no that's that's it's, it's really good and and i think it's good to go in with it with that mindset of like you know let's do something let's get something done rather than mm -hmm. because then you're being active in the process as opposed to do the therapy to me which is yes you know uh, and, I, and i think that you know like the whole thing of oh therapizing you know that's it's a misnomer really because yeah. actually it's a dance and it's it's an exchange but but it's uh, it's still it's still quite an interesting um yeah. it's, it's still a fun little phrase to like let me put my therapy on you or whatever <laughs> therapy <That's weird>. all. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah it has yeah. to be like a discussion um, yeah but like super interestingly you know um having said that there's not much in the uk because we're just very traditional western medicine we're like ssris for depression that's pretty mm. much all there is i think mm. um but there are trials like i said um mm. there's i think there's been psilocybin trials for from imperial so mm. i'm aware of that for depression yeah. that's happened and so there's this slow decriminalization process mm. underway in this country um and there's a dmt trial for depression yeah uh, signed up months ago just found out because i was researching like a nerd mm. from the podcast i was like oh what trials are there in the uk i would love to mm. try this because i'm so scared of ssri's um <laughs> mm. and um found a lot of trials on like londontrials.com and one of them was dmt for depression and i was like cool signing up i had nothing so i forgot about it yeah. and, like on the same day that i had my first therapy session with them um, the new therapist i got the email back like hello <laughs> we'd like oh, to wow. schedule a call with you to assess oh, your wow. um, eligibility for it so how cool would that be if i got well, to participate yeah. in a clinical trial for that something yeah. like actually totally believe could work better than traditional medicine i don't know yeah well you know so I mean, I'll, I'll at some it, point get that cool it shows that you, you you're like an explorer basically yeah um yeah I, so i wanted to talk to you uh about your art because that's something that mm -hmm. that i i know it seems you seem to be able to express yourself quite a lot through art. It seems to be from what I've seen primarily of, of animals from what I've seen, but I'm sure there <laughs> yeah. is other stuff that you've done. Yeah. Like just um, tell us a little bit about that, about what art is to you, what, yeah, it, um, what, what you like about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's always been like I think art was probably my one true love in this life. Like when from when I was a kid, I'd be that 
super irritating child that went for like a sleepover at her friend's house and would wake them up at seven in the morning. I remember doing this and be like, where's your paper? Can I have some pencils? Like I just wanted to draw all the time. So I should have followed that from a young age, but I was never, I was always told that you can't make money from art. So I didn't do it. Um, Maybe it's probably had its advantages because you can get to it another way. And if I'd pursued just art, I wouldn't have had other qualifications that I have mm. now. Mm. Um, so I'm working towards this place where mm. I can be a vet, but also not full-time so I can pursue the art. It's a long process. You're selling your stuff, get... aren't you? Yeah, I am. Um, but it's just not reliable yet, if that makes how, sense. How can um, we, how can we find your, is it an Etsy you've got? Or? I've got, I've just set up my Etsy. So I mainly just do it through Instagram and not got much on the Etsy at the moment. Cause I do by commission at the moment. So I'll just explain how it happened. Um, so I'd always kind of just done art whenever I could, but didn't really have time for it. Um, and then this is why I'm actually mad grateful for Corona, which sounds silly because how can you be grateful for a pandemic but i just have to talk about emma can because he's okay. the most amazing person ever i'm wearing his t-shirt right now which as you can see i just had to because the only reason i wore this was to make him smile um, okay. because i knew that if he saw that i was wearing it he'd be happy um so in lockdown i think it was two or one one or two um to actually sing date the gym one of the gyms i train at they started doing outdoor training with damien animals um so obviously i went because i'm like his biggest fan ever and I've watched all his fights about 20 times and I love his coaching so I was like yes we can still do Muay Thai outside because it was legal in groups of six um at that time now it's changed so now we can do it mm. but um at the time it was legal to do six outdoor activities groups and we had only six at a time and stuff like that um so we were doing distance training um and it was in Holland Park I live in Finsbury Park takes an hour to get there don't care so <laughs> mm. I would um, travel across London I'd come out of Holland Park and then go park um i've been buying notorious fight gears kit for like quite a few years because i love supporting small businesses and i thought he was a cool guy so i had his big ass bag that i've told so many people about and they're all like oh my god your bag's amazing i'm like yeah it's like the best bag ever so he calls me the Not- notorious bag lady um which is fun because <laughs> i wear it everywhere and it's the only bag that fits all my kit in it um so i was wearing that and i'm a who is the leapfrog combat tv guy do you know leapfrog combat sports nope. yeah seen the account oh he's so it's like a, he's got like 50 something k followers okay. he was always yeah his aim was always just to promote up-and-coming fighters so he okay. he's just a martial arts fan like a muay thai fan himself mm. that trained a bit and when he i think it was when he was injured and he couldn't train he started filming other people um mm. at fights and stuff and then mm. people would ask for his footage and so he just grew this instagram account because people wanted the content from fight mm. shows and it was always like kind of low level or muay thai grand prix it was never one champ whatever it was always yeah, in the yeah. uk so he was just like just became this person who like helped look fighters along my journey by showing footage of them mm. um just for fun um and it like grew and grew and he's amazing at social media he's like a could be a social media consultant you could say um i've learned so much from him he's a really wise person um but anyway i've heard of him i've been following him since i remember when he had about 200 followers and i was like this guy sounds cool so i like followed him because i was a muay thai fanatic um and then fast forward three and a half years i was walking to sing date training outdoors which was only happening because of corona he's working and I'm off chance in holland park station that day mm. because he works with tfl so mm. he's sitting in holland park sees the notorious bag walking along because he's friends with alex the notorious guy um he's like who's that girl so <laughs> he texts alex who's that girl she's ginger she's wearing your bag he's like oh that's definitely that mm-hmm. um, he messaged me on instagram like yo i just saw you walking through holland park i was like how i thought he meant the actual park so i was like are you here yeah <laughs> never spoken to you before um 
it turns out he works at the station so I was like okay um so we ended up just chatting and then I was, he was like we should have a proper chat and I was like I'll come back like I'm coming back for training again so I actually ended up because uh, he doesn't work at that station it's a tiny mm-hmm. station he works at a different station mm-hmm. um but I had to make sure I was there on the days he was working there and he was only working there because of Corona. So it was a complete like universe puts together thing. Mm. Um, so I pretended like I was going back there for training. I wasn't, I just went back there to see him um, because I was just like, this feels right in my gut. Like I mm. need to do this. So mm. I went back and just like chilled with him for like two hours, probably around two hours, similar to what we're doing now, just chatting about Muay Thai for ages in Holland Park station when it was still warm. Um, and he gave me a, the frog mask and it was the cutest thing i think he gave me a t-shirt yeah he gave me the t-shirt and the mask and i gave him a little frog mm. and because he said his shift was long i got him a grenade, uh, grenade bar which is like my favorite um and he still has the frog at work it's like a tiny little baby oh frog. cool um like a toy not a real one obviously mm. um so we became friends and we just happened to start talking about art as part of our yeah. long rant about muay thai and i was like oh i just love doing murals and stuff and i'd love to combine the two but i don't know how and he was like oh there's a massive gap in the market for graphic designers you know and it was just like a passing comment and I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what that really means, but mm. I've never done digital art before. And then afterwards, he then like fed me all these ideas. Like it's mm. like he was ruminating in his head and he sent me all these ideas. Like mm. this is what you could do. This is what you need. Like blah, 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 posters, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, cool. Mm. So mulled it over. We talked loads. And then I just ended up getting iPads um, because of him essentially. So I bought myself an iPad. I mm. did loads of research about which ones are best for art and digital art. Because there's actually been situations before that I've wanted to be able to do digital art. So mm. there was some guy that I follow on Instagram that was asking for an artist to design things for his articles. And I was like, I can't do that by hand. So it wasn't the first time I'd wanted it. But mm. I'd never spent so much on myself before. Like it was like a mm. grand and a half that I spent on that iPad and the pen all together. But I wanted mm. to get the proper one so I could mm. really be professional about it. And since then, like, we designed the mask together, these T-shirts, which literally sold out, like, way quicker than I expected. It was madness. Um, We've got none left now. And um, we've got, like, plans to do more of the T-shirts. And it's really, it's just to spread his brand because Mm. his plans are much bigger than clothing. But Mm. the clothing aspect, like, having me there as a designer for him, it, like, opens more doors than he had before, Yeah. um, if that makes sense. So we just, like, work at this mad Mm. team together. And... I, with their sold on Notorious's website so we teamed up with Alex and I've done redone Alex's logos for him so he's hired me as his designer now so I've got loads of plans for all to revamp his kit as he asked for um and then the by hand stuff that was just because around the same time I did a portrait for one of my training partners to like cheer her up of her adorable dogs and she posted it on social media her friend saw it and asked me for one and then I was like this could work mm. so I just kind of escalated it and just started doing pet portraits so Amazing. i've like earned a decent amount from them you never know what's going to come in when but yeah it's super great and i love it um and i've done a few people's logos so i do logo design pet portraits digital by hand um mm. did some valentine's commissions of non-animal things and um a lot of clothing design for alex and anna um and I've got some murals lined up as well. So the cafe, amazing. which is like my absolute favorite place, it sells plants and coffee. They're amazing. They're Bob Marley themed. She's commissioned me that I offered it because sometimes you have to be brave and you have to offer your services because people won't know. <laughs> um, but they're super receptive to it, actually. So I said, I really want to paint your walls. And she was like, oh, my God, you could paint my walls. So I'm going to do a flower mural for her. And then my friend who owns Tacklistic, this like gym down mm. in Hornsey no mm. time pack lane i'm doing all his walls if he ever gets mm. around to signing them for me um, <laughs> so i've got a huge job with him and i can do a mm. mural for him started when i did a mural for the alfie family of alfie 
in mm. various poses on their wall. It was like my leaving present. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So like little things that are snowballs, but I thank Amma for everything because mm. he is like my unofficial hype man. I would never mm. believe because I was always taught I can't make money from this. Right. And he was like, you can. You can. Brilliant. He's like, just don't let anyone tell you that you can't. You're super talented. Absolutely. Like, so he's amazing. And I hope he listens to this because I love him. Okay. <laughs> um, so look, just in closing, can you yeah. give us some advice? And I said this to Andy last last time and he went oh forgot what like on what i don't it's up to you what advice would you oh, give people like general advice it's up to you um, take it as you okay i'll take it from various levels one what wisdom is from your contact from me your, <laughs> yeah yeah obviously <laughs> anyone needs like logos or wants a present of some sort like i will do any artwork and i actually love art so much like i'm obsessed mm. with it what's your etsy so what's your etsy um, um oh i think it's like nat dot kippens no involve involve art. basically find me on instagram and then there's a link there's okay. a link tree what, and it has what, etsy what's your art instagram um involve so oh, i wish i could turn around and show you it but it's e-n-v-o-l-v dot mm. arts it's like involve, involve art. but without Evolve, but with an N because my name oh, is. Oh, with N. So, involve. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll so get that. Instead oh, of like involve, oh, instead of evolve, it's added an N. So, that was Yeah, the yeah, I like that. It. No, that's decent. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's E N V O L V okay. dot art. So, find it on Instagram and then the links are in there. But yeah. really, it's like by commission. I'll, I'll, link, at the moment. It, I'll link it in the information. Cool. Anyway. Um, thank you. Um, yes, there's just really people just ask me for what they want mm. and then I sort it out. So, I've not got many paintings that I actually sell yet. I'm making mm. tapestries like I'm working on it, but Corona's yeah. really dampened everything it's i can't really stuff, yeah. yeah i can't get things in at the moment i'm mm. still able to print onto canvas like i'm picking mm. up a canvas today for a valentine's present that i'm then delivering to a guy for his girlfriend mm. um but i haven't been able to make the tapestries mm. i want to so i can mm. convert my paintings to tapestry mm. images and then put them on tapestry with this other company so that's what will be on my etsy that sort of stuff but it's just yeah um finding the time to fit that in around all the graphics commissions and stuff is quite difficult so mainly just message me on instagram at the moment so um so the advice then what advice would you give people oh, um yeah art um use artwork to express love because it really works um, use artwork to express love yeah if you want to show someone you love them make them art or give them art i've like just from personal experience it works really well like mm. people really appreciate personal things like that mm. and art is a way of expression and even if you think you can't do art you probably can you just mm. need to get into the right headspace and it's very therapeutic mm. um more like non-art related advice um oh god like don't believe that you ever can't do something don't let someone tell you you can't do something because mm. you can and the only limits that we have are set within our own minds mm -hmm. um don't be afraid to get therapy mm -hmm. get therapy if you think that like if you think you need help that that's get it because mm. it's there's no shame to it don't be ashamed to need help um yeah that's really good and go with your gut because i've learned to trust my gut a lot mm. more in the last few years um mm. yeah um try oh, don't know there's so much but yeah um trust people that have had therapy more than people that haven't i think okay. also cool. they're much better people amazing um <laughs> i'm so grateful for you i'm grateful for general, you but yeah, I'm, same. but <laughs> i'm you. grateful for you uh, sharing you know these these hours to talk to me and to to share things that you've experienced along the way and some of them are you know are tough yeah and uh are really grateful for your um transparency and your honesty and um did you hear that
Was that you? What? what? Did you oh, hear that little bleep? Oh no, that's been doing it the whole time. It's like I'm on my work laptop, so they're all chatting oh. about work things. I'm oh, just it's just it's it. just bleep. That's the really first sorry. time I've heard it. That's no, oh, I don't good. Care. I'm glad it hasn't. I was been just like, like it's just like. It, it, no, no, it just it just tripped me out a bit. I was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" So yeah, um, no, yeah, but no, yeah. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, and yeah, anyone that wants to get in touch with uh, Nat, code name Mel. Um, I'll be putting <laughs> the information in the in in the details uh, in the details in the information for this video, whether it's on YouTube or wherever it is. So awesome. Thanks again. And thanks um, for having me. Yeah, Still can't believe you actually want to interview me. So yeah, oh, that was being amazing. Being brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk soon. Let's keep talking. Ooh.